This is HPR episode 2515 entitled HPR 2017 New Year's Eve Show Part 2. It is hosted by various hosts and is about 169 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Part 2 of the 6th Annual HPR New Year Show. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Uh, was, um, Can you put uh, a lithium-ion battery into um, regular battery just, recycling, guys? Just try it. Just try it and see what happens. Um, as far as I know, yes, Ken. I, I, I've taken all kinds of batteries to my battery recycler, and I've never gotten told by them that one or the other was disallowed. And it's there is a person there, so yeah. Although I, I never specifically – I never asked. Control. I mean, I didn't, like, ask, but I – I, I, I showed them the batteries, and they were fine with whatever I brought. Cool. Thank you. But I'll check anyway. Yeah, you should check, and then you can Which do a show on it. Done in the first place. Mic check. No, I've just done the show. The show will consist of you <laughs> you a, can slash cannot bring batteries to the thingy in the Netherlands, in my specific region, in my specific town. <laughs> yeah, Not that's very, very true. Yeah, that's a good guys. point. Yeah. I've heard in Colorado they the bins will like fine you. They're like automatic bins there that will be able to detect what kind of thing that you put in which bin and then you'll get a fine automatically. So I've heard. How do they identify you? Retina scans? I this is all secondhand. Speak Big to brother, it. they're always watching. Through the and, bins. And the smart bugs. And the smart bugs. You had this thing here where the, you could put um, your plastic and your tins and stuff into the regular bin, and they had it. Um, then they ran a pilot, a pilot to see whether if they had a separate bin for plastics and recycle and tins and stuff, it was actually less efficient to do it. But they still did it because they wanted to make people aware of all the plastic and packaging that they use. So that's the thing. So tabs versus. Spaces? No, it's more spaces. like spaces. When when you go to the tabs. Uh, <laughs> no tabs. spaces. Tabs on this end. <laughs> okay, what's the? Give me the argument. For pro. What is the pro tab ar- argument? It's easier. It, it's Less fewer bikes. keystrokes. I mean, legitimately, it's just fewer keystrokes to indent uh, enough of your code. To I ju- I disagree. You set up your editor that the tab puts in four keystrokes. Space. Press the tab key. It's four spaces. Job done. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Okay, so with an argument like that, I don't have one, but I've used tab for so long, and I kind of see that as cheating, honestly. It just seems like the tab is is it's it's using a, a unique s- s- symbol or a thing, you know, entity 
for something that al- that already exists. And and I don't see the I, I don't see why we do that. Like I can see hitting the tab key for four spaces, but I I don't see using a tab instead of four spaces because four spaces exists. So why are we why why do we have a we're duplicating entities? Auto script. What is auto script? Is that uh, a term or a thing? This is I'm, early data compression. Oh okay. And just what, why the, why why should you do one thing over and over and over and over when you can just do it once? If there's already a, a pre, I mean, it's it's in the standard keyboard, I would believe. And, and yeah, but it's not it's not it's not that it's it's why why the duplication? I mean, because you're saying why would you hit the key four times instead of hitting a key once? But Ken has solved that now. So why, why do we? Why is there still a tab character in our in our um, ASCII set or whatever? Like, why, why does that exist? Why, why don't we just all use space because, characters instead of tab characters? Because if you tab in a Word document, for example, I would go ballistic if people were using spaces mm. for variable fonts. Whereas oh, you can yeah, split right. in a tab and you can go left yep. indent and right indent and then you change your font and your positioning gotcha. remains the same. Good point. So, yep. But for code, uh, the problem with code is uh, the reason to use spaces over tabs, which is the traditional argument, VI, Emacs type thing, is um, that tabs will get messed up when you go from one system to the next, whereas spaces tend to be uniform to the font, uh, non-proportional font fixed with font that people tend to use. So spaces tend to be preserved, whereas tabs don't. That's it. That's, that's the reason. Gr- but yeah, only in code, good answer. not in documents. And I haven't even, I haven't run into that in years. Of course, I'm also the guy that uses Vi too, so. I, I, I hadn't run into it ever. And then at my old job, um, I had sent someone a Python file and he was complaining that I'd used, you know, one or not the, and not the other. And I, and it was the first time I'd ever run into it, and I think it's the last time I've ever run into it. But it was such a weird issue to run into, and I just thought, well, why is anyone using tab at all? Like, I just it never occurred to me. It's it's, it's been on the operation. That's why it's just it's part of the typewriter too. I, th- I think that's that's also a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it like you said, it's there. It's it's on the keyboard. It's standard on the keyboard. So why wouldn't people use it? And I, I think another thing can be for people, uh, if you're looking, say, if you're not AFK, then maybe your vision starts to blur and it might be easier to denote a tab rather than three or four spaces, you know? Yeah, yeah. If you're getting down to, you know, oh, I'm using a space for the, and then two spaces for this and three spaces if you're... Yeah, all right. I'm just seeing how uh, Bitcoin's doing this morning. How deep are you into the Bitcoin? Um, so I invested 200 bucks when it was down at $2,000. Uh, nice. And then I also invested like 300 bucks in Hashflare, and that has already returned on my investment. So I, I've made a, I've made a small amount, not a ton, but. I've made a small amount. I, I sold some when it was at twenty thousand, so we're uh 
we made our money back and then some. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it was good for uh for WikiLeaks too. Since Visa and MasterCard being the, the good corporate yeah, nation states that they are, they when they cut off funds, people could only donate with Bitcoin, so now WikiLeaks uh say, Oh, like I was more interested in Bitcoin when it was an alternative currency than I am interested in it now that it is sort of a, I guess a so an investment it's too for now. for it's not real life money. Just mainstream <laughs> though. It's it's like it's, it's that I don't want to bother with the real money. Like I want there to be a currency that we can use online that has meaning for us online, but that that is external of of the stuff that you make when you go to your day job. And I understand so that that's, coin. maybe what is that? <laughs> Tell me more. Do, do, I'm interested. I, I haven't heard it announced. I, I don't know. I, was I, I thought it was doggo coin. I, it's, I, it's, you're it's, probably right. Sorry. Go, nope, go ahead. Doggy it's coin. Gosh, doggy. Yeah. Doggy coin. Yeah. It's doggy coin. It's essentially just a decentralized peer to peer currency that enables you to send money easy online, but it has no basis in actual. Although people are buying it just like Bitcoin did. Initially. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, like, eventually, if, if it can be, if you know, you can't divorce it from real world money because people will, you can't control what they're going to do. <laughs> if, if, if I sell you my dog e-coin, then, then, that's, then that's just happened. There's a market there now. Yeah, and that's, I don't think you're ever going to find any currency that's exempt from that because. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm sure. I mean, People do this with uh, government or other countries' uh, money as well. Like, oh, let me buy uh, Taiwanese Dudes, money. can somebody else please press record because I'm the only one recording the stream. My laptop crashes. It's gone. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on. Sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> but uh, I just no realized worries. Thanks, Casper. I'll set mine up and just leave myself in here when I leave. We're just going to offload it to a different galaxy anyway. Don't always ask the CIA for a copy afterwards. Well, that's what Amazon's there for, right? Uh, I'm assuming a down mix is okay, correct, Ken? Yeah, once you get to this, you can't be dealing with um, flag files. Anog is fine. I'm yeah, also recording okay. the, the stream, but if anything happens to that, it's best to have some other copy somewhere else. There we go. We can always file an FO... A FOIA request. FOIA, Freedom of Information Act? Yeah. That wouldn't go over too well in the States. You're being an American. Fuck yeah. Oh, now we have to mark this as explicit. We already did a long time ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Two minutes in, we were done with that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, good. Got it out of the way early. It's good. Yeah. Set the precedence. You're now four hours and 36 minutes into Hacker Public Radio live streaming. We have Josh, an honest host, a not a very honest host, host with the most, some would say, here with us. Isn't Beetlejuice the host with the most, though? Right. I need to see that movie again. It's been years. Michael Keaton, some would say, is, is the real Batman. They also might say he's Mr. Mom. <laughs> wow. Or, or, or there could be duplicate versions of him. Who knows? This is true. That would explain why there's a Birdman and a Vulture. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have some serious Michael Keaton fans on the line right now, folks. This is exciting. Didn't know there were people who followed him that closely. 
don't really have to follow him closely. I mean, he he does a fair amount of movies. I think it just shows how old I'm getting. The I Mr. Think, Mom reference was was pretty pretty good. That was I, <laughs> that was really drawing from a wealth of knowledge. I think it's just hitting a, a certain alien generation point. I think I actually watched the old the 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 what do you call it the original batman or whatever the michael keaton batman and it was actually not a very good movie like the 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 one with batman and joker it's like i mean it's not it's not a bad movie it's just kind of it's slow it's like really pretty slow it's campy it was intended to be campy at the time because i mean before that you had adam west yeah yeah have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, jeez, yeah, that that was so painful to get through that part. Like, you, you got to do your Jack Nicholson impression though when you say that though. This town needs an anima. I can't do it. No, that wasn't bad actually. Mm. Be better. We we strive to do better. Strive to be honest. That's actually this is actually the second technically second Jack Nicholson reference of the evening because the the early morning whatever it is because uh, Easy Rider was mentioned earlier on and people yes. who know that movie will know that Jack Nicholson yes. started his career in that. Yes, Apocalypse Now. I'm <laughs> sorry, Jack I, Nicholson. I, I no, I I, I hopped on. Oh, okay, day. wasn't that right before One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, don't talk. You don't want to talk too much, or, or else Nurse Ratchet will come at you. Yeah, with her ice pick. Just ice. In just ice. All right, keep it going. Live. I'll subscribe to, or is YouTube the devil? I, I just I don't can't. Subscribe. Yeah, I can't be bothered to watch things in, still. I mean, like, for a little while I was watching some shows on YouTube, but... I'm I'm glad I put all those uh, show notes with all those yeah. movies that'll <laughs> yeah, never I be know, watched. Yeah. No, it's just because when I'm working, I can I can usually listen to something, but I can't, I can't actually watch it at the same time, you know? So audio is kind of key for me. Yeah, that's... I, I usually will just have the video in the background. Yeah. If there's something that sounds really cool, then I'll watch it. Um, Film theory and game theory are both ones that uh, I enjoy, and so I'll occasionally watch those, but usually they're just playing in the background, and I like listening about different things. I had not heard of either of those two. Game theory sounds like something I would very much enjoy, though. It's fun to watch some of the old ones. That's the thing about YouTube, there's a... Sorry, go go ahead, Ken. That's the thing about YouTube, you can find a niche for everything. Yeah, true. Well, since you're in California, uh, Josh, I I would recommend Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore. Let me look him up real quick. Jimmy Dore show broadcasting from San Bernardino. Uh, on in the belly of the beast, you've got Lee Camp, but he's on RT, so it's all it's a, that's Russia. Mm. Even though he's over, even though he's American, and his uh, his name is Lee after uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. No, not Lee. Uh, General Lee. South. Yeah, I, I know. There are a ton of people named after him. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, he didn't even know. That, that, yes. It's like all, all the good, uh, all the good, honest uh, broadcasters end up on RT because any, mm-hmm. any corporate, if you speak against the corporation, they'll kick you off. Um, the, as happened with Ed Schultz. Uh, he just, he was on, I think, MSNBC, and then he talked about TPP. And they kicked him off. Uh, Phil Donahue was against the Iraq war. 
even though he was the highest rated show at the time, kicked him off. Uh, you know, you get all these people and if, if they're good, I mean, even if they're, they're making money, if it's speaking against the agenda of the, our benevolent overlords, uh, they'll, they'll get kicked. Uh, they even paid, uh, Jesse Ventura had a show lined up with, uh, I think MSNBC all ready to go. And then, uh, they found out he was anti-war. So they, they, they paid him a million dollars just to like walk away. <laughs> so, Jeez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good That's, money to, to walk away. Yeah. yeah no joke. Lee, Lee Camp in one of his shows, he's like, man, he's like, I wish I was that annoying. Like, God, I want that. that I want that. I want to be that annoying. Man. Right. Um, the Philip DeFranco show, if you're looking for some feedback on like things that you might have missed, I found that one to be a pretty good channel to watch. What's it called? Philip DeFranco show. I've heard that name. Maybe I'm thinking of an actor with the same name. Yeah. DeFranco is also, uh, one of the guys in not James. Yeah. No, well, not, that's it. Yeah. yeah James Planet of the DeFranco. Apes. That yeah, you're thinking of <laughs> Philip DeFranco, no relation. Oh, okay. He's uh, he's There's been around for a D. while. <laughs> Philly D is uh, his back behind the scenes channel, but uh, he's a startup business sort of uh, focusing on doing news and things that might slip through the cracks. Uh, with him, don't go watch his old stuff. His old stuff is horrible. <laughs> He, he used to wear the uh, polka shells, puka shells, and he was a little bit of a douche. But shells? Yeah, the little white necklaces that are made out of shells that people used to wear. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm guilty as charged. I used to do that in high school. But you're, the, you know, you are in California, so you have something, you know. Yeah, California does yeah. strange people. It's just strange things to people. <laughs> but I grew up in Michigan, so. Oh, then you have no excuse. <laughs> no. You're just trying just, to fit in. I was just trying to be cool in high school, and I look back and I'm like, "God, I was such a loser." Yeah, those 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 hemp necklaces uh, didn't they didn't wear well either. Got all itchy. Ugh. Why did I put this on? It's so rough on the skin. But then you ate it and you felt better. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, it's hemp, so you know it's got to be cool. No, I wasn't part of that group. I wasn't the uh, hippies. For the small town I lived in, we had a really interesting mesh of people. It's funny. Small. I mean, Michigan. I only think of Detroit. Like I, like I know that there are other places in Michigan, but I, I have no concept of what the rest of the state is like. I heard there are. There's only. It's like an eight mile circumference in Michigan. You're thinking of Mackinac uh, Island. Yes. Yeah, I've I've spent a couple summers there. Gorgeous, gorgeous island. Um, there are no cars, so you will either walk, ride a horse, or ride a bike. Wow, interesting. I, I have a question, Josh. Um, Shoot, the Philip DeFranco. Mm. What what frightens me here? I'm just looking at the YouTube page and kids attention deficit it, it, type stuff. Oh. He does. Oh, oh, he's got the guy. He's got the Logan Paul guy on his second video. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. So he actually talks about why people are like his thumbnails are a little clickbaity, but that's because that's what works. And he has to employ people. Like he doesn't. He's got, I want to say, ten people now under his employ that uh, do editing, that do research, 
do the whole thing. So they're actually trying to set up a like a startup news network. So the clickbait icons unfortunately work. So it's one of those things like you either do what works or you don't. He's also got like probably five million bots also working under his employee. No, I'm just kidding. He's got five point eight million subscribers, so that's a little a little like mm. it's it it would be too popular for me to uh as you're just playing with, uh, uh, to, you know, if it's like hipster, too hipster, yeah. Mm, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good one to catch things, at least for me, that I might have missed. Um, especially since I don't have a whole lot of time to sit through multiple news channels trying to sift through the facts. Okay. So it's a good one to at least get your attention brought to things, and he covers things all over the place, so it's not just like, what's in your mainstream news, but he'll also cover uh, YouTube-specific news. He was a guy who called attention to one of the uh, parent exploit channels. Uh, the channel was called Daddy of Daddy 5 and he would prank some of his kids, and one of his kids had a serious issue. Uh, I forget what they said it was, uh, but he would get very nervous and start stammering, and they full-blown yelled and screamed and recorded while they did this because they had used uh, ink, uh, like disappearing ink, on the carpet and the kids just having a full-blown meltdown. And it just, they were trying to justify, oh, it's not abuse, they want to do this. It, 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 so he covers more than just your mainstream media stuff, and I like hearing about that, other things. Uh, but it's almost covering coverage. It's like meta coverage. It's almost, like yeah. He's he's like a YouTube TV guide. That is kind of, yeah. That is kind of YouTube's mar or part of YouTube's market though, isn't it? Kind of YouTube, the whole the, sort of the YouTube sort of crowd commenting and and interacting about YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's it, kind it, of my impression. It, and you're not far off from that, but I kind of like that. It's kind of like a feed aggregator for me. I see. So it, you don't have to go through YouTube. You can just look at the YouTube TV guide, which is Philip DeFranco. Sort of, yeah, and then, but it's not just YouTube news. That was just an example. He does stuff that I would have never caught, um, like the Keaton Jones. I don't know if you guys heard about that, where the kid got a, uh, uh, teased in that kind of stuff. I didn't catch any of that. It just completely flew under my radar. And then you start hearing about the other side. So he, but is is one kid getting teased bigger than you no? Know, earthquake or things oh i'm not saying it's bigger but it's it's nice to hear about other things other than how stupid our president is sometimes no i i agree with that but not that's why i i was pointing to uh jimmy Dore because they yeah they don't talk about the president if you were to turn on uh you know media that's all you're it's like trump news network is like Mm -hmm. that's all you're going to hear about and people are like oh my god I, I can't believe like they put a truck in front of where he's golfing like i'm just thinking i'm like they did he's in the obvious especially out here in california <laughs> i uh i get to live those uh cnn bbc news uh msnbc if I need a good laugh, I'll go hit up Fox. Uh, just because. Should check out our international, like, uh, yeah, BBC's, they're not bad. 
but like Al Jazeera are like if you want to, some people will describe it. If you if you want to hear news about Russia, you would watch U.S. news. If you want to hear news about U.S., you'd watch RT. You know, if you want to, <laughs> Al Jazeera is a good middle ground. They I, I think yeah. they cover kind of everything. But I, I do, you know, <clears throat> I do frequent Al Jazeera uh, too. It's it's just the one of the ones I couldn't think of. It's it's now just turning seven o'clock for me. So yeah, I'm, I, I I gotta drop off here as well. Got some other alien business to attend to here, but uh, maybe I'll be back. Who knows? Yeah. Thanks for doing the show notes, by the way. I I did what I could. It's excellent. Being you honest, like Josh. I appreciate you, Casper. No, uh, well, I'll I'll leave it recording and I'll I'll transmit it to. Uh, the other galaxy, but uh, thank you guys, and uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll talk to you later. Never know. Yep. Catch you later. All right. Peace. See you next year. Bye. Scanning is boring, guys. Scanning is boring. I think I might have a go of putting this transistor tester together that I bought. Actually, I got from Synth. Why do you need to test transistors? Is this for the radio stuff it's or just a, general electronics? Yeah, it's for. Uh, it will. You can put in uh, a thing, anything into it, resistors or capacitors, and it'll tell you what value it is. And oh, uh, I think it's transistors. A, no, yeah, transistor. Oh, okay. it's a transistor tester. It's a, it ah, started okay. off as a generic uh, thing for testing transistors, and then it'll identify which one it is, and then it it can do loads of other stuff as well. So pretty cool. Cool. So do you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, I guess so. Not not a bad Christmas. Christmas is so weird. It's just such a weird, weird holiday. You know, the whole switching, you're exchanging gifts. It's just, it feels so strange as an adult. Like, as a kid, like, that's the only time you're going to get something new is at Christmas, so it makes sense. Well, maybe your birthday. But as an adult, it's just like, I, I could have gotten this for myself. What are we doing? What if your birthday and Christmas are the same day? I have a Hobbit birthday. Oof. Yeah, mine's uh, coming up here in a few days. So a lot of times as a kid, I got combination gifts. Yeah, that's the worst. My my, oh, my little sister had that. that as well. Now, uh, my family, my sisters, uh, and I decided that we weren't going to exchange gifts for ourselves. Uh, we were just going to get one for our grandmother and grandfather and then our parents. Yeah, that's the way to do it. It wasn't like super expensive ones either. It was just like, here's ones that took us time, not money to do. They uh, they really loved those. I took some nice photos of all of us. Yeah, that sort of thing makes a lot more sense to me. I think it's it's weird when people feel super obligated to exchange something, and especially now that I've moved across like several oceans where people are sending me stuff from overseas. And they pay as much in shipping as they did on the item that they send. You know, it's just like, I could have just gotten this locally. Thank you, but let's not do this anymore. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, I think as an adult, you become more cognizant of the cost of Christmas and what the spirit should be. Yeah, yeah. And as you get older, you see the traditions that have been added every time. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. That that this, that is weird stuff. Keep trying to start that tradition where we watch Die Hard. 
never sticks. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they, the, I hate that. The, not yeah, that seems to be. Oh, is that a real thing? Or are you kidding? Oh no, I try every year to get my family to sit down and watch Die Hard. We made oh, okay. it through about forty-five yeah, you're not minutes this year. <laughs> oh, that's funny because that's a thing here in New Zealand, and I thought it was just a weird New Zealand thing. But people, yeah, people actually talk about watching Die Hard at Christmas. I remember when I was a lad, it was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Now, now it's Die Hard. I hate that movie so much. Chitty Chitty Bang Chitty Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Just needs to die. We love you. <laughs> As a kid, I remember thinking that that was a really cool because it could go in the water or something, right? I thought that was amazing. Or it the could car fly. It was, it was yeah. The, anything you needed it to do, it could do. But as a yeah, when I tried to watch it. I like guess as an adult, I mean, I didn't try to sit down, but I saw it on, you know, on someone's TV or whatever, and it was just so stupid. It's like, what, what, how did it, even, even young me, how did I think this was cool? Yeah, I, I have nightmares if from you that had movie. imagination back there. Yeah, yeah. Nightmares, that's, that's, <laughs> nightmares about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that's, well, that's unique. Be, so... Again, showing how old I am. Uh, here in the States, there was uh, there's a channel called USA. And when I was a kid, uh, Gilbert Godfrey hosted Up All Night. And it would be horror movies. Oh. And as a kid, I could not sleep at all. So I ended up watching the first part of some movie where toxic waste got dumped into the school's water supply. And this kid just starts... Like morphing and I thought it was Toxic Avenger, but Toxic it wasn't Toxic Avenger anyway. Uh, movie scared the living daylights out of me, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch Chi Chi Bang Bang, and I fell asleep while watching Chi Chi Bang Bang, and the two movies kind of meshed in my dreams, and so now I'm just scarred for Chi Chi Bang Bang. That's really funny. So technically, it's not a nightmare about Chi Chi Bang Bang, but it is a nightmare about Chi Chi Bang Bang. Yeah. Yeah, I had something similar happen. Uh, I was in a place, in a job that I didn't really want to be in for two years and then uh, ended up buying a bottle of vodka and watching Bambi. (laughs) And then I decided (laughs) the next morning to print off my CV and get the hell out of that town. Yeah, that's, that's rough. So Dodd put into chat another topic. He's curious about the thoughts of uh, the hacking community on robots taking our jobs. I don't think yep. that's a problem. I think we need to work, work, come up with better things to do than what. If a if a robot can do it, then I think we've successfully conquered that realm. And the next ideal step is to then you know progress. We we find something new and better to put our efforts towards. Uh, the problem is, I think that we're that the human race just isn't actually interested in that sort of thing. So that's where the problem lies. Yeah, it's not the replacement of the thing. It's the yeah, you put it on one. Funny thing I, is though, um, I saw a on this topic. I saw a thing about how many people were employed by IBM back in the day versus how many people are employed by the likes of Google. You know, people companies with the same net worth at the time how many people they were employing. And now there are 10% of the people that were employed by General Motors, Ford, IBM, if you compare that with Facebook, Twitter, and whoever. So there's ninety. There's a need for 90% less people, but these people are still around. So that's fine what you say about replacing people with automation. 
but then you need to do something else to tackle the social crisis that's going to occur as a result of that and people being disenfranchised and uh, we were talking on the community news as well about uh, universal social income maybe that is the solution and so my take on it is i'm lazy when it comes to being a sysadmin if i can script it i will script it i don't like having to sit in front of a computer screen for hours doing the same thing if i can script it i'll script it and so that's a little bit like a robot but where i think we have to worry about it is in for the states at least our more rural areas because you're seeing more automation in cars in farming and things like that so people aren't having to work or can't work because the robot has legitimately taken their job but they don't know anything else so now the farm owner or the shop doesn't want to get rid of the robot because they don't have to pay the robot they may have to pay for maintenance and upkeep and that's everybody's response to oh well we'll just teach them how to maintain the robots you don't need the same number of people maintaining those exactly. robots and on top of it so there are less if, jobs so what do you do exactly and that becomes another piece of it well computers will at least not in our lifetime be to the point where they can go off and troubleshoot uh, issues at the same level a human can I mean watch uh, Google's AI Dodd try and run if you watch them try and run you'll realize we don't have anything to worry about at least for the next hundred years uh, have you seen the latest ones the last ones I saw looked like uh, man trying to like do lift or uh, push-ups in the air while he was running like, I yeah, just, they, I mean, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I just don't, I, I think that there's plenty to be done on this planet. It's just where people aren't, we're not, I guess it's not marketable for those things to get done. But, but I think there's plenty of work to go around. We just, we need to figure out a way to, to make, to make people be okay with doing those things. Well, I don't think it's even getting them to be okay necessarily. It's they, some of those jobs aren't available in their area for starters. Yeah, that's true. And then to follow up, say you've got somebody who's been a line worker for the last 30 years. Are they legitimately going to be able to get skilled and proficient enough in a new job versus somebody who's 30 years younger than them starting out doing that same job and will be around for 30 40 years to do that job so it's i think it's on the sense of robots replacing people i think it should be the business's goal to okay this is the path we're going down we need to start training our people as we're going down this path to ensure that they still have jobs but businesses don't have that kind of dedication to their employees anymore and that's kind of sparked the jump shoot jump ship culture of yes, the millennials yeah. because if a millennial stays at a job for more than five to ten years that's a long time for them now and they'll just jump for the fact that they've been at the same place for five to ten years previous yeah. generations would stay there until they retired yeah and yeah, i think all of that is kind of mentality this Sorry, yeah bro. well no i was i mean yeah i was just going to say that i think that that's part of the the larger problem is that is that there's no yeah there's not really a, a path 
of uh, there's not a career path you know it's just like get a gig get a gig get a gig and and it's not the people's fault it's it's yeah more like a cultural problem i think and maybe the solution is like josh says for the businesses to take it upon themselves to make sure that they're that they're grooming their employees for the next big thing or maybe it's something that you know maybe it's something that businesses shouldn't have to worry about and it should be something else but it that's i think that's the main problem i don't think it's the robots problem well the robots are coming so they're well yeah, robots yeah. Are automation i doubt a robot is going to be sitting behind the the cab of a truck uh the trucks are just going to drive themselves eventually there will be no cabs at all it'll just be freight containers driving down the road yeah so that's happening so anybody in those skilled jobs are gone. It's like farriers of Daisy Ore and barrel makers of Daisy Ore. Those jobs are gone. They're they're not going to be coming back. Sorry, but the problem is in Daisy of Ore there was a whole. Uh, you go from working in agriculture to working in industry, but now the actual number of jobs is shrinking. The number of available paying working positions is diminishing. It's a simple fact. Um, so how do we deal with that? That's the question. And I don't say, I don't think it's enough to say to businesses because businesses, it's not their problem. They will hire whoever they need to hire and they're not required to hire any more or less than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. That's what I was going to say. If it, the businesses don't want to take the, because again, we don't have that loyalty to the employee and versus and loyalty to the business. Maybe it's something that the community starts doing. Uh, we just had a startup here, uh, open up shop and there doing community driven education. It's kind of like a physical version of like a, those online classes that are run by the community. And like those, um, you, you mean like those uh, online courses are you talking about or what? Or what? I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the stupid site. Oh, it, it's, it's almost like du- Duolingo where you're dealing with somebody on the other end that wants to learn your language. Oh, okay. Uh, same kind of concept except so this company will you pay for a class, like, and it's not super expensive, but you get to learn the basics in HTML, and it's run by somebody in the community who already has the skill. And so, oh, I have a skill that I want to teach other people. Like, I can't tell you how many people my age don't know how to change a damn tire. The millennials yeah. just, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to change <laughs> their brakes. They don't know how to change their oil. I'm, I'm on the older end of millennials, but it's just like, come on, guys working uh, woodworking things like that there are arts and like being creative is something a machine won't necessarily be able to pick up and i see maybe some return to creative aspects trying to get them to write a novel trying to things like that uh teaching that might be where we see some of those jobs returning because you may not be able to afford uh the robot plumber that comes to your house or you just may not want to pay for yeah. it because you have better things to do with your money. This the point of technology in the, sense the tech that sector privacy is going to start mattering. Kind of, I don't know. Kind of disappointed me in in a lot of different ways. You know, it was supposed to make things so much better, and it's just kind of it's not always having that effect. And sometimes it's remarkably to that. So yeah, I think. And people are. I mean, it's not just technology's problem uh, fault. I don't think. I think a lot of people are being stupid about how they use technology and sort of letting technology take advantage of them. But I, I think that a, some backlash against this is probably going to be necessary because otherwise, yeah, I, I don't, 
I don't see this going no, I, I down almost, a smart I path. That we're going to see some backlash, and you're already seeing some of it when people bring up the fact that Alexa was used to uh, convict somebody of a crime because it was always recording, and Amazon has all these recordings. And it, when people start realizing that these devices that are your smart devices, they're always listening. Your cell phone, if you have voice recognition turned on, it's always listening to you. It's always listening for that keyword. Um, Alexa, uh, Google, hell, um, the Roomba, they updated their privacy policy for their newer models that have a camera on top. And it actually, uh, their privacy policy, I think, might still have it, but they can go off and sell to other companies the layouts of your house. And while that may not seem a big deal, based on how certain things are laid out, a company could guess where your TV is, uh, even the size of your TV, uh, how frequently you have to clean, things like that. Imagine if Alexa had that information. Amazon had that information. Now they're able to go off and kind of predict what you'd need Don, I can hope. I mean, I would hope that eventually there'd be enough outcry for uh, privacy over convenience, but who knows? Yeah, I don't own any sort of smart devices or Internet of Thing devices. Like, I have, well, I guess you could say a smartphone, but I have a phone, laptop, and a PS4. Yeah. Doesn't the PS4 have a uh, option to use voice activation? Yeah, it's not turned on, though. Okay. I tried it once, and uh, it, it's not the best, i got to say. <laughs> yeah. Because I... I, I was sitting there going, PlayStation, open YouTube. Then it would go, wait a minute, and just go, bonk, going, I don't know. And I would try over and over. And it, you would think, you know, like, some of the apps, like the hot words, they they're automatic, like uh, like Bloodborne. So I was like PlayStation, open Bloodborne. Sometimes it would work, most of the time it didn't. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother with it. It's kind of pointless to sit there and go and yell at my own console when I could just navigate to it with the controller that's already in my hand. Yeah, Microsoft's done a pretty good job with the Xbox One, from what I can see. Uh, one of my Aussie friends uh, talks to his Xbox all the time and gets it to do stuff. But PlayStation, I think, is a little behind the buck on that one. Yeah, from the Linux community, I, I kind of miss the old Linux community, Dodd. Uh, we've kind of grown and been more inclusive. And so you've got a lot more people up, uh, using things like Ubuntu and Mint. Yes, Dodd. Uh, anytime you're using... You're going to need to read out the, oh, <laughs> his yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to... Uh, when he talks to the Xbox, does it go to the MS servers? Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, all voice recognition uh, systems that fire off commands like that are going to a server of some sort. I know Alexa does, Google does. I'm pretty I mean, sure... You would have to unless it was all locally stored, which it isn't, so... Yeah, I mean, be... like, the processing of the voice. I was going to say, it'd be so hard to run that on what yeah. the console can do. So, yeah, it goes out to a server, and then it gets processed using machine learning, usually. And it tries to best guess what you're trying to ask it to do, and then it sends those commands back over the Internet to your device to then trigger what you've asked, if it's something that it supports. 
I'm remaining officially quiet right now. Am I misspeaking, Ken? Nope. Okay. You accurately describe how a typical setup might work. <laughs> this is interesting. So Dodd says, the point being that we can't get the tech people to avoid the tracking. How can we ever expect the masses? Well, I mean, you're, Dodd, I think there is... I like that we we're just calling him Dodd now. Um, Dodd is uh, making a generalization. Because not all... I mean, yeah, the tech community, but what is the tech community? I mean, maybe the community that he's following, but not necessarily the same community that I hang out with. And I think, realistically, it's gotten it's gotten really difficult to avoid being tracked on things. I mean, I've got an Android phone, and even with all the stuff I turn off, I still am connected on social media platforms because that's how I stay connected with my family. I have to sacrifice some of my privacy to be able to use some of the conveniences of social media, unfortunately. So, basically, everything I was... Of the opinion myself that everything was sad and depressed. Depressing. Uh, hold on one second, I need to copy this. What time are we in? Um, it's 20 after some hour. So it's North Korea time, uh, coming up very shortly in nine minutes. So it'll be their New Year, even though none of them will ever hear this show. <laughs> right. Possibly, possibly not. I'll just slap it in here. So there's this piece of legislation that's in effect now in the EU and coming into effect on uh, the 28th, 26th, 28th of May uh, 2018. It's called the General Data Protection Regulation, and it sounds quite innocuous. However, it is the most awesome piece of text that I have ever read. How it's even passed is beyond me. Uh, it requires everybody to automatically sign in for stuff. It needs to be as easy to sign out of stuff as it is to sign in for stuff. And all information somebody collects about you needs to be made accessible to you in a human or in a machine readable format. Uh, and you can't charge for it. And it has to be, uh, so for example, on Facebook, you uh, would be allowed to export all your information, username, password, but not only that, anything related to the business that's been going on. So it will also show that you are connected to all these people and all their messages. Uh, so when you do an export, you get all of that stuff. And the idea is to promote interoperability. So between banks, or if you want to move from one TV provider to another, that you can move all your stuff over one email provider. They need to provide all your information that you have gathered. And at any time you can opt out. And from that moment on, it's, it is, they're required to not process that information anymore. Well, that's kind of awesome. And it gets better. <laughs> the data that they collect, they are only allowed to collect it and use it for what they have agreed. And the fines are absolutely, well, I've got a, I've got a thing about it here. They're not allowed to suddenly decide, okay, well, we've got all this information. I'm going to reuse it again. They have to re-ask your permission if they, if you want to change it. And as written into the law, you, uh, oh yeah, if there's, if, when there's breaches, uh, they, you have to notify them within so many days. You have to have a data protection officer. That data protection officer is, um, to be reporting to the head of the company. 
paid for by the company, but not responsible to the company. It has to act independently. Sounds like a bit about TransUnion right there. You should probably take a moment to welcome Perlist to the chat room. Hello, everybody. It's Dave Morris. Manifesting. Oh, hey, Dave. Hiya. I manifest as Perlist. I don't know why I ever chose that name, but there you go. I would love to learn Pearl. It's, it's a strange thing. When I was working, um, there was a guy who was very keen on Pearl and was an Emacs devotee and stuff. And he wrote some stuff. And then he left, and I found I had to look after it. And uh, then I really got caught by it. I thought it was fantastic language. And I still do, even though it's not uh, very fashionable anymore. I still think it's really, really cool. I attended a talk on Pearl at a conference, and uh, yeah, it, it made it made me sort of respect the language a lot because all all the posts you see nowadays are just like, oh, Pearl's so ugly, Pearl's so unreadable, it's blah blah blah. But yeah, like really hearing someone who liked it talk about it really made me made me interested in it. And I was going to sit down and learn it, but then I got sort of sidelined by the whole Pearl Five versus Pearl Six thing, and I just never got back to it. No, it's 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 in an odd state at the moment. I think Pearl Five is still plodding away, doing stuff, but you're seeing bits of it, the the modules that really make it what it is, gradually falling off the the support. You know, there there's there's things I use um, which are just just on the edge of of usability because the the people that wrote them have sort of wandered off to do other things, you know. And it's suffering a bit from that. And also, as you say, the Perl 6 stuff that, uh, I guess, sort of messed things up for, for Perl 5. I haven't even looked at Perl 6 yet. It's, it looks very scary. And I can't figure out if it's like... Because it, Perl 6 now, from what I can tell, sort of says, oh, it's not meant to replace Perl 5. So now I'm even more confused. And I, I can't tell yeah. if... Is it going to be a slow migration to Perl 6? Is it never going to migrate to... I don't know. It's so, yeah. so incredibly different. It's uh, it's it's come from the same world as Perl Five. It, you know, it's been written by people who are Perl Five devotees, and they've they've looked at Perl Five over a long period of time and said, "Well, we could do this better," or you know, it really needs work in this sort of area, and and they've gone off and created this thing. A lot of them were Haskell users and oh, devotees, so there's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of thinking from that side of computer science in there as well it's very it, it looks amazing but it's hell of a thing to get into i've been to a few talks at fosdem um about it and and it was especially the regular expression stuff is just astonishing but wow it's like looking at haskell it's 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 like looking at alien language as far as i'm concerned yeah and i'm not sure if if i'm unique in this sense or and maybe even maybe possibly even mis misguided maybe this isn't a thing but i feel like when i'm looking at a language and and sort of analyzing whether i want to invest my time in learning it i kind of want to for lack of a better word trust the language developers you know i kind of want to feel secure that it's going to be a language that will treat me well over the you know for, over the time that i use it and python i feel pretty secure with because it it seems to go pretty steady and its changes are are fairly fairly slow, and they vet them pretty well. And and I just with Perl, I just felt it was a little bit rocky, you know. Like I didn't want to 
get involved with it if, if it was going to suddenly switch things around on me later. So, yeah, I, I feel hesitant to, to get yeah. into it. Yeah, I can understand. what uh, it, it doesn't look good. The, the whole Pearl world does seem to be a little bit strange. Although if you go to, to the various Pearl conferences or things which have Pearl presence there, it still seems very, very solid. There's loads and loads of people. that I went to Fosden the year that... Um, uh, Oh, I'm blanking on his name. The inventor of Pearl was Larry. there. Yeah, Larry. Very well. Yeah, and the, the 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 numbers of people that went to all of the Pearl track was massive. You know, you really needed to to get a, a seat and stay there for the for the entire weekend if you wanted to see stuff. I, I I didn't get to see much at all actually because of that the queues outside. But you know, it showed there was a huge interest in 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 Pearl. He was talking about Pearl Six. He was announcing Pearl Six at that point, so maybe that was part of it. But it's still incredibly popular. Yeah, that's that's good to that's good to hear because yeah, I guess maybe that's my concern is that I'm I'm getting too bogged down in sort of the the not marketing but like sort of the the, the user facing blurbs. And if I were just to use the language, then I wouldn't actually care because it would be the thing that I'm using and it would be working for me. And that's really all you need at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's I think the whole Pearl Six thing did do strange stuff to the the community and to the the uh, the way that the world saw the the community because it looked like well it took fifteen years or something to to get from well we're making Pearl Six to it actually being delivered so people were wondering what the hell is going on you know because they 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 tore it down and then rebuilt it several times I think. <laughs> so, so you know, it doesn't doesn't engender a lot of confidence, really, watching that sort of process going on. But yeah, I, I still use it because I like it, and because I'm probably too old to learn anything else now. <laughs> I I put a bit of oh, Python Dave, into. Please spare I us. Thank you. <laughs> I won't tell you my age, but still got all my teeth. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> They're on I the put, jar right over there. <laughs> That's right. They're right over there in the steridon. Um I I put a bit of Python into Vim editor the other day, had a download of stuff, and uh Vim went nuts. <laughs> I hadn't realized I'd installed a thing that, that vets the Python and, and critiques it. <laughs> and it, it just went completely mad over this stuff. It said, no, there shouldn't be two spaces either side of that equals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, oh, my I'm, gosh. I, I know. don't want to get into that. But maybe, yeah. Maybe I just switch off the critique thing, I guess. But, uh, but I, just, I was just going, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, the the Python thing, the, the style thing, the PEP8, it's just they yeah. go crazy with it. And, and if you do something wrong, they... They treat it. I mean, they don't. It's not a fatal error, but it, it, you know, they, it makes such a big deal about it. And you're just like, oh my gosh, just to shut you up, I will conform to the way that you want me to do this. It's really annoying. Yes, it's yes. probably the and in doing most so annoying makes thing about Python. And in doing so, makes your code completely readable to somebody else. Something that Perl doesn't always do, Dave. Well, not pointing at you, like. No, 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 no. It's it's easy to write. The sort of pearl one-liners, which which are, which are completely, uh, bland, you know, they 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 completely uh, pass you by. The the complexities of it is just too horrible. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's where Pearl has got that that criticism from. I think that people have written incredibly bad code in that sort of way. But when I was 
when, when was this about in the 80s or so there was a there was a thing that happened every year which was the obfuscated sea competition where people would put together the most obscure bit of sea uh and there was a there was a prize for the for how obfuscated it was so you know it just goes to prove that that in any language you can write incredibly tangled and and obscure stuff it's you can probably do easier in pearl but uh but you know it's uh it it does it's not the language it's the it's the writer yeah, I've I've seen a couple of those styles of competitions online, and I think they're pretty pretty silly. Um, <laughs> Dod D Dummy was asking if the Python three switch, uh, the two to three switch, was like the Perl five to six, and uh, I cannot talk to that Dod D D Dummy because I don't really know about the switch to Perl five from Perl five to six. I will say that the switch to from two to three in Python has has actually been quite smooth. It's 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 one of those things that they've they've really kept really good forward and backward compatibility. So they're basically gradually, at least from what I can tell, they're gradually turning two into three, while you even though you can still use two. And there's a bunch of compatibility libraries and yeah, it's it's actually been really smooth. I maintain Python two and three code in separate projects and it, it really doesn't and even switching from two to three, it's unless you're just dealing with a bunch of code, it's not really that hard. So I I don't think it's I don't think it's like the Perl five to six, only because from what I can tell, five and six in Perl seem to it, it doesn't seem to be very well communicated as to what the intent is. Like is five going to turn into six or are they going to actually be separate languages because Perl six right now is claiming to be a separate language. So I'm gonna argue that it's a different thing. Uh, the Python versus Perl. Yeah, they said that in some of the interviews when we're interviewing them. They said it's a completely different, completely different yeah. thing. Yeah, that's my understanding. Anyway, I think it's it's going to run off in in its own direction. There are actually some backported stuff from six to five that are happening now. So the the modules that do some of the clever stuff that's popped up in Perl six back into Perl five. So, I mean, that's yeah. counterintuitive, though, for them to say, oh, it's a separate language. Because, I mean, the thing that comes after Perl 5, presumably, would need to be numbered 6. <laughs> so, like, is Perl 5, therefore, going to die? And then, you know, like, how how can 6 be different than 5? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah, a, sequ- I know. it's a sequence. I, know. I don't understand. I know. It's, it's, I think they were saying when I, uh, the Fosdem that I was at, that... They really regretted that they had called it Perl Six. It should never have been called that because it's evolved into something which is not Perl. It should be called not Perl or something. But uh... there you go. That would work. <laughs> I mean, it would certainly confuse me less. Um, but like I say, maybe I'm just—I I could be someone who's overthinking it, and it's just an excuse not to learn Perl. Is that I can just say, "Well, I'm too confused between five and six. I don't know what I should learn," and then I never have to sit down and learn it. Yeah. John Culp was asking me if I was up for doing a, a poll series on HBR at one point. <laughs> I think he he was thinking of using Perl himself, but he, he decided not to and went off to uh, Python instead. But I did toy with the idea, but I, uh, it's, it's a big, big subject, and I doubt whether many people would be that thrilled. Yeah, I definitely intend to, to learn some Perl and, and utilize it. It's just... It's, something that I've meant to do, but yeah, eventually I'll, I'll get around to it.
keep meaning to learn Ruby actually because that looks that's derivative of of uh, Perl. It has a lot of Perl ideas in it. Oh, but okay, I, interesting. I've, I've not really I've not really got that far in it yet. Yeah, it's one of the all the time. You know, um, just just little a little bit. Um, as a student, I was messing with APL, for example, which is the weirdest, weirdest thing you've ever come across, but uh, quite, quite fun. But now I just don't seem to want to, want to do that anymore. It's uh, I'm just interested in in yeah, solving I feel like problems I rather feel than learning the same languages. Way about you know? Linux distros, you know, like I I keep thinking back of back to when I was first getting into Linux and how exciting it was to switch distros all the time. And now it's just like I can't be bothered, you know. <laughs> just Slackware, just yeah. Forget everything else. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I started off with Red Hat back in the early days, and it just sort of gravitated to Debian now, and I'm quite happy to stay there. I think. Oh, so you've downgraded? <laughs> Zing! <Yeah. laughs> I tried to install um, something on my server. Oh, do you know I'm having ter- trouble remembering stuff tonight. Today, um, it was uh, oh yeah, CentOS. I tried to put CentOS on my my server. Really could not get on with that at all. Could because it had LVM on the disks already, and CentOS didn't like it. But uh, yeah, it just I didn't have good experience with it. Oh, that's weird. Uh, LVM seems to be a default on practically everything these days. So you wouldn't think that that would interfere, but it could no. have been anything, I guess. Maybe because I'd built the LVM under Debian. And then tried to put CentOS on it, and it said it just wouldn't recognize that. Didn't recognize would... it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's it's quite hard to pull it down again. Um, once you've built it, uh, I think you probably need to use the same setup that you built it under. I don't really know, but uh, or blitz the disk some other ways and start again. But yeah, it's just one of those things like that experience I was talking about with uh, with. Python, making me think, oh, I don't want to touch this again. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like it's like having a bad meal in a restaurant or something. You're never, ever going to go there again. Chinese food or something. <laughs> it's that sort of illogical response, I guess. Yeah, but you know what? It's like if there's this, there's that window, right, of, of okay, I'll try this thing. And if it, if it doesn't work for that 30 minutes, then that was the window. And you, it just, you know, it passed you. It, it got passed by. And now you can't be bothered again. That's how it yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it is a, it's a yeah. human thing. But. Yeah, but I've seen, and there's journey to Linux things that we've had with people where they're specifically migrating from Windows to Linux. Quite often, they people try Linux for a while, then, oh, this is terrible, and I'm switching back to Windows. And then eventually, when you come back the second time, your mind is more open to the possibilities of it. Yeah, so, well, I guess okay. There's not I don't just know if one that window. Means going to a restaurant. I, I, I guess you know, but there, yeah, there's there's yeah. those openings and 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 those windows of opportunity, and they only open up so often. Yeah, I think you probably have to be in the right mental state as well, but uh, absolutely, and, yeah. and have the right drive to 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 do the thing. If you if there's a problem you want to solve and and it's best solved in language X or something, then. Uh, it's uh, it's fairly obvious which way to go. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, you you look on Stack Overflow last... and whatever snippet, whatever code snippet comes up, you 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 learn that language. I find that Perl has spoilt me for a lot of stuff. For example, a year or so back, I was looking at parsing RSS using 
um, Ruby. And I, there's a, there's a, a module, uh, what would you call it? A gem in Ruby that, uh, that was, everybody was recommending as, as using. And, and it, it actually samples the RSS and then it goes down a different branch depending on whether it's got, uh, iTunes type, you know, the, the declarations for iTunes or the various sources of different variants of RSS. And it would sure. go, it would choose one and go down that route. So it meant that if you had some of the features of iTunes, but it chose the other one, you couldn't get access to them. I, why did you design it? I actually wrote That's to the really author strange. and said, why did you design it that way? And his attitude was, well, it's the way it is, you know, to like it or leave it. <laughs> so, Whereas in Perl, I've, I've usually found that people make very sensible choices in this sort of stuff. Just just personal experience, of course. But uh, you know, I like the the sort of choices that Perl Perl writers tend to to use, and not finding them in Python not so much. I wouldn't criticize Python so much, but but Ruby certainly that experience was was a bad one. Looking at somebody writing stuff for in beautiful soup in Python recently. That looks really, really nice, actually. I'd, I must get into to that one for certain. Yeah, beautiful soup. I've, I've, I've used um, at an old job, and I, yeah, I, I quite liked it. It was, it was quite sensible. Yeah, it seems to have a lot of, lot of really useful features. That, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? What'd you Who, say, Ken? You did a show on uh, beautiful soup at one point. Okay. At least you recommended it at one stage. Funny, I don't, I don't remember that, but um, that was probably. I bet you anything, I was probably working on something in Beautiful Soup at the time, at that job that I'm referring to now. I remember John Colt yep. mentioning it at some point, but maybe it wasn't a show. I mean, Beautiful Soup for me, yeah. I mean, if I need to parse XML, um, I don't really have to parse HTML usually, so it's usually XML. That would be the go-to thing, but a lot of the docbook toolchain uh, actually involves Perl, so that's kind of one of the impetuses that I that I keep I keep seeing it, and I'm like, ah, oh, I need to learn Perl so I can start sort of really interfacing more with with docbook. That's interesting. Yeah, there's still quite a lot of Perl in the inside things that. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. So. It is, it is worth knowing. Well, if you ever need any help or advice, you know where to come. <laughs> I'll, I, yeah, careful. I might take you up on that sometime. Not, <laughs> not tomorrow, <laughs> but you never know. Oh, you'd be happy to. Yeah, I've been just been writing quite a lot of stuff to parse HBR shows, the HTML or HBR stuff, to put it up onto the Internet Archive. And... In doing so, you need to, you know, do the stuff where you you load it in, then scan for certain things. Because I was actually looking for links so that I could work out whether there were files on the HBR server. I also needed to shift over to the Internet Archive. Um, and doing it in Perl, there's some quite nice uh, tools for doing it. But Having looked at Beautiful Soup, they do seem to have come up with a nice design for, for how you would do that. I must must toy with that at some point. Let's uh, have a go at it. I could comment. You're free to do so. Uh, with regards to XML, 
the only tool that is capable of dealing with large XML files is XML Starlet. And regardless of whether it's Perl or Python, I would advise dropping to XML, uh, dropping to the calling OS and running XML Starlet and convert what you need into a delimited text file. Interesting. It's also I've never heard process. of this before. Okay. X, XML oh, Starlet is what you're saying? Yeah. XML Starlet, yes. It's a command line parser. And it is by far the fastest tool to parse XML. I benchmarked all uh, all of Perl's ones and all of Python's ones, and at the end of the day, nothing compares to um, uh, XML Starlet. I'm definitely going to check that out. I can't believe I've never heard of this. I mean, like not not because I've heard it so much. I'm just surprised that it has never come up before. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at its SourceForge page now. I'm definitely going to check it out. Very few people have the use case of having to parse 12 gigabyte. XML files. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Very very fast. <laughs> it's a yeah, specific not... use case, but then yeah, once you start using it, you use it for everything. I can now, par- I can pack out a uh, a RSS reader in about three seconds using XML Starlet. It's written so in for example, C, I imagine. It's so it'll be it'll be written in a it will be written in a compiled language. So it's going to beat your your interpreted languages most yeah, likely. It's fast. Yeah, but that's no excuse, Dave, because there's a lot of the uh, modules in both Python and Perl are also written in C. So you would expect those libraries to be exceedingly fast. I used to process all of the student data at the university I worked at, which was handed to me in XML using Perl. But I used XML Twig, which was a thing that you set triggers so that when you hit a a boundary point, you know, um, then you... So the boundary was a new student. So when you hit one of those, it, it then parsed the the blob that it had just got, the object that it had just got, and uh, and yeah. then passed it on. So if you can do that, then I'm sure there are equivalents in other languages. So um, that, yeah. that saves having well, to load still, the whole thing. Yeah, but you still need to parse through, and then you need to do each of those in turn, and that still turns out to be slower. Mm. Okay. Well, you I have done a lot of stuff with XML Twig. I know. It was know also what you're extremely. <laughs> it was also extremely. I can pull up some of the sample code here. Uh, I found it just didn't did my head in because sometimes you have elements. Uh, your XPath expressions needed to be very precise, and you ended up that it would trigger on one XPath expression, but if somebody had put the elements and a additional element in there that was um, max occurs equals zero you know there were just it was an optional element and then that would bypass xml trig so then you have to recode that so anytime any modifications occurred to the to the triggers to the structure of the xml and this this file of course changes all the time then um it wouldn't pick it up whereas xml starlet is just your brute force approach. You write your XPath expression, you find the thing that you're looking for, and you dump it out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then you well, can yes. pull it in as a as a CVS file or whatever. But sometimes it meant so if you have recursive elements where you've got uh, within an element you've got you know options that can occur within that element, you sometimes need to go in and gather all those and run that once, and then make make your own relational database from the data structures that you have. So you build a table for the 
occurrences of the recurring thing inside. In our in our instance, it would be the series. So you would say say we did allow multiple series within a show. Uh, then you would need to first look for all the series, pull those out, put those into a series file, and then go back and get the shows and then make a link to them. But that's easy peasy lemon squeezy in either Perl or Python. But trying to get a parser to do that is just a pain. So so much of a pain that no, forget about it. I'll pull everything out, make my own database representation of what's in the XML at the minute, and then work from there. Yes, yes. I'm afraid I sort of uh, quail at the thought of of dealing with XML at that level. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a fairly unpleasant thing to have to work. And, with. Yeah, when when XPath starts to get mentioned, you just know that you're in for <laughs> a good time. The XPath is for Unix people. XPath is is. Ph- phenomenally easy concept to do, you know. You just it's e- yeah, but until like, relative, I think, or it's not relative. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just bit, those exceptions think, that you're I, talking about that throws people off. Yeah, but like I the think times what happens when, is. Uh, sorry, you go on. No, go ahead. I think it's very similar to what you're saying about the documentation on um, on uh, setting up VPNs. They either are typically too simple or they're far too complicated. There's nothing in between. And with expat, I've found myself that, you know, forget about parents and sisters and siblings and first and last. You're never going to use them. First and last, maybe. Things like sums, doing the complex stuff that expat can do, it, It's there's no cost-benefit analysis for that. Dump it out to a text file and give it to Python or give it to Perl, and you've got either a dictionary or a hash, and then you can plow through it there. Yeah, it becomes then a manageable thing. You're only processing the information that you need. So... Um, I think it's trying to be too smart for what it's doing. So just get the inf- go in, get the information that you need, get it out as quickly as possible. Treat it like a database. So I use, I get these XML files now. I treat them. I use XML Starlet to parse out the information, and I treat that as a query. So and that's how I that's how I can sleep at night, guys. Yes, yeah, so I can hear the pain in your voice there, Ken. So yeah, appreciate yeah. what you're saying. Well, you know, you 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 learn all this stuff about expat, and then you go, "Oh God, I'm not using any of it." And I know I could solve it with an XS, XSLT translation from one thing to the other. That would be the correct way to do it. But on the other hand, your life just because you're, you know, sticking to the rules, there's no guarantee that somebody's not going to send you a file that's uh, not exactly to spec. And at the end of the day. You have an option. Are you going to be thick-headed and not have your product sold because you're going to be annoyed about somebody missing an element? Or are you just simply not going to display that image on the screen and you know carry on with your life? So, yeah, if I was back in the days when I was doing life support ventilators, of course I would stop it. But, you know, when you're talking about displaying information on a TV screen, does it really matter? And that's all I have to say about that. Kind of really ruined the conversation there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just drop some XML in it, and you, you, you've done oh, it. Oh, God, don't get me started. The, the strange thing is, though, about XML is that I, as much as I complain about it, it, it's, it really – I keep going back to it because it really is really good at what it does. It's just, it's just such a thing all the time, whether you're dealing with it or you're parsing it or you're – trying to translate it to something else it's just i don't know it's a weird thing i love it but it's, it, it's also very complex uh, it's a love-hate relationship i'm i must yeah. say i much prefer json because it's 
so much saner for data transfer. It's so much saner because yeah, there are yeah. only a few things that you can do and that's it. It's done. Right, yeah. But at the same time, it's... Um, I mean, it, it can get pretty ugly to look at when it gets complex as well. Yeah, but what... you don't have to look at it. Run it through a parser. And right, yeah, sure, Turn sure. it pretty. JQ, uh, have you used that command line too, JQ? No, no, never. Don't know that one, oh, actually. People, yeah. people, yeah. JQ and yeah. XML starlet. JQ is a command line parser for parsing JSON. It's awesome. You can, like, bash pipe stuff into it, grab stuff out of it as well. And it does a beautiful job of just tidying it up and putting everything into nice colors and all the keys are one color and the things are another color. It's fantastic. Cool. And I like yes. the fact that, that JSON either works or it doesn't work. It's no, there's no in-between. It's valid or it doesn't. Nothing parses if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like in Python for a while I was really liking JSON for some things. But once I really started using beautiful, beautiful soup, I, I I just went. I fell back to XML because that's what I do. I keep going back to XML. Yeah, XML XML is fine when it's a defined standard that kind of works, and it's it's not insane. Um, and I'm I'm unfortunate in that I'm dealing with two specific insane formats for my for my daily life. And Does anyone if have? You look at, oh, sorry. If you look at RSS, that's not even bad. That that makes sense, but. It's sure. really down to whoever. You just give somebody the freedom to do anything, and then they will, they will develop whatever it is based on their whatever they consider to be logical. Does anyone have permissions to drag Sebastian into this channel? He apparently he's in the lounge and he's One stuck sec. there. How is that not possible? I'll drag him in. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I tried to drag him, but I don't think I have permissions for that. There he is. I'm in. Welcome, Sebastian. Now, why is that? There is no reason why. Yeah, that's, that seems odd. Uh, let me see. Groups. Everybody can all all groups. Testing. Can anybody? Can I be heard? Yeah, we can hear you. You are being heard right now. Okay, good. At least the phone works. Did somebody pop me in here though? Because I don't think I. Did. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. But we've had um. Well, CM Hobbs is stuck out. Well, hold on one second. Why are people stuck out in the lounge, people? It, I've I've logged in on two separate computers, and um, I have not had this problem, so I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know, but I'll have to use my phone this time, it looks like, because I've uh, <laughs> got caught out a little bit with my headsets. And Klaatu, the, do you Klaatu. mind if I make you admin? I do not mind. Is there anyone else going to be on for a while? Because I need to go do family Hi. stuff. Shortly, I will be back in a little bit. I'll be back soon. Um, I just wanted to test that this would actually work first. Cool. I'm actually leaving as well, Ken. Um, it's like five in the morning. I should probably go to bed, get some sleep. But I'm gonna um, keep recording. um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I don't. I feel like I didn't really. Organize that very well, so I'm not sure when or if it will happen. Well, go get some sleep. I may try to um, just set up something separate, you know, for some other time. I, th- I thought it might be cool for the New Year thing, but uh, I think the the atmosphere here is a bit different. So um, maybe I'll just do like a thing on the mailing list and invite a bunch of people on for a impromptu game or something some other time. Yeah, all the thing room is here for that sort of purpose. Yep. 
Cool. Everyone have a great New Year's show. I'm going to go sleep some. Okay, bye, Clancy. Nice, Clancy. It was great talking to you. Yep, see ya. I'm going to try and do some debugging here on the uh, website. Are you Have you posted um, the community news yet, Ken? No, talking I haven't, show. Dave. This is my life, guys. Dave hounded me for to do stuff. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> no, it's just that uh, um, I'm going to upload stuff to the archive.org, and I need that before I can... Well, I could do the Ooh, other one. yes, and that needs to be but, fast. But, so, it sorry, needs yeah. to be ready for, for midnight. Um, oh, crikey. Hold UTC. On, yeah. Give me a second. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. All right. I'll be back in speaking of uploading things. How are we doing on shows? I'll be back in about 15 minutes. Can somebody ping me if they can't get into the room because I need to post the show stat? Somebody spoke and uh, we had a collision. I said I'll be back in about 15 minutes. Okay. I believe I talked over a bunch of people as well, sorry. No problem. How are we doing for shows, did you say? That's it. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I, I could probably get a couple of shows recorded if we're running thin. It's been a few months. We're not too thin, but we we need them. Remember, we need them constantly because <laughs> do five a week. So any any contribution would be much appreciated. I may just try to record a couple then and and uh, set them for dates far in the future. Uh, that way, they could be percolated up if necessary or something. Yeah, cool. That would be great. I'm glad I finally got into the server. I don't know if you guys were watching IRC, but I don't have my glasses on and <laughs> mistyped the thing, and I feel pretty uh, silly about the whole ordeal, but finally here. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I've not been following the IRC. I was expect is um, Clacke there in, in IRC as well? Because he was asking earlier on, um, on uh, New Social where the chat was happening. I see his name here, but um, he hasn't spoken as far as I know. Okay, okay. I was expecting him on the mumble. He's uh, he's a busy guy. <laughs> Do with him him here for WeChat as well, I think. Is uh, GNU Social still quite active? I I actually bailed several months ago. And yes, I noticed really you. Yeah, I noticed you. You you were not around very much. Yes, it is. I, I'm not there a huge lot these days. I was never very active, but uh, I tend not to, to go on that often. Just occasionally I get messages saying, there's an HBR thing, can you help me? <laughs> and, and I go and answer that because I get mail from uh, from things when I get notification. So, uh, but other than that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot more busy since um, uh, Mastodon, I think. Yeah, that's primarily why I left. I couldn't keep up with my timeline. For some reason, the people I was following, I don't know if they were uh, repeating notices from other people more often than they were speaking, but uh, my timeline just became a mess of people I didn't know talking about things I didn't understand. So I uh, felt sort of silly being unable to tame my timeline, so I just went ahead and quit. Yeah, I, I do know the feeling. I, I've got, also got uh, a lot. It's the retweets or, or whatever the equivalent is that uh, that it was flooding my timeline as well. That and yeah, so I, I tend not to to be there that much these days. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't want to block a bunch of people because the the people that were being repeated had good 
information or, or fun things to read, but um, typically it was just a flood of stuff and it would drown out all of the, the slower posters that I preferred following. So uh, now I just typically communicate with people on Jabber, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? I, I noticed that as well. I joined GNU Social a couple of years ago. I met, I met some people at uh, FOSDEM who were quite uh, quite into it, and they suggested... Oh, why don't you join? And I did. And there was quite a lot of chat between people on HPR and people I'd met at Old Camp and Fosdem and this sort of stuff. It's fairly small, you know, as it depends who you follow and stuff. But uh, since 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 then, it seems to have blown up to more than my small brain can handle. Oh, sorry for the pause there. One of my radios was going off. I'd, oh, there it goes again. <laughs> anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I was about to disappear there, but well, I still got it on in the background. But uh, yeah, Fosdem, Old Camp. Yeah, I know about those. Hi, Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. Do you remember? Do you remember me? Do you remember me? I was sat beside you when I won the the laptop at Old Camp. Oh, it was you. Oh, yes, the the guy I I definitely said um, if you win the laptop, give it to me, and then if you won it. <laughs> I never did. Yeah, I never did. Sorry. Read, when they read your reward. I'll come back and talk to you in a bit. I just yeah, can a, you get a yeah, set of headphones a... as well, please? Because you're looping back into the feed. I might be. Unfortunately, I have to use a phone now because I've I had headset problems. Yeah, get uh, earbuds or something. Or mute when you're not talking. That's the problem. Well, I'm going to have to to go. I've got a ton of things I need to to do here. But uh, nice to nice to speak to a few people. Dave, I'm, uh, I've just edited the show. I'm uploading it now to Thingy, and I'll transcode it, and I'll uh, send you an email when it's done, yeah? Right, that's great. Sorry uh, for the uh, delay. No, 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 there's still plenty of time to do it, but uh, it does need to be done because we're now depending on the, on it being there for Monday, aren't we? Yes, indeed we are. <laughs> okay, catch you later. Bye. Take care. So you're also uh, tuning into some radio stuff, Chris? Oh, I've always got a radio or two going. Um, that was a repeater that was announcing its ID. Um, and it's exciting for me because nobody's maintaining this repeater anymore. And uh, the time has been inaccurate for quite some time. So uh, when we get back to daylight savings time, the time will uh, go back to being accurate. So I'm just waiting for that day <laughs> when I hear it announce the correct time. Yeah. How do you go back to getting the... Um, you know, if nobody's maintaining it, who's who's keeping that in the air? Well, I don't know. I think it's running itself. Um, it's a repeater that I used to check into regularly back in about 2003 when our local Department of Emergency Management, which is a civilian organization, was um, just a bunch of volunteers who help out in storms and stuff. Uh, we use the repeater greatly, and uh, it still retains that call sign, and that call sign's still valid per the FCC, but I think nobody's touching it, but it's kind of like an old Unix box. It just keeps going and doesn't die, uh, probably because nobody's really using it very much. Yeah, it's. I think it's on a um, water tower, actually, uh, in a in a uh, environment-proof box up there. Um, and I think it's still on repeater book, perhaps. Uh, I've had access to it for many years, and the only reason I was able to program it into a new radio is I just remembered uh, the frequencies and the PL tones, but I'm sure new people would 
probably have trouble finding it unless they look it up through repeater book. Okay. I'm doing a few things here at the same time, so forgive me for that. Hey, no worries. Trying to find tomorrow's show. No, I still didn't uh, do any more with my license. Well, I'm actually, I want to do a beginner's one, but I'm debating whether to do it here in the Netherlands or do it in England or even do it in Ireland. My three options, whichever is the easiest. I don't know the differences between the licensing in those countries. Um, you know, if you haven't played with WebSDR.org yet, you may want to do that. I'm sure you've done plenty of receiving, yeah, but um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but actually, the, uh, go on. by the way, people, if you think we're all jumping in over each other, it's a feature of the fact this is a global podcast and there's a delay, and we don't hear each other the same way that you do. So there you go. Come on ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, uh, if if you are looking to get rights to transmit, if you just uh, <clears throat> focus on HF, I think that'll get the furthest uh, response available. If you do VHF and UHF, you're going to be dependent on the radio horizon. Uh, so whatever license will get you some limited HF privileges would probably be the best place to start. Even if that's not the aspect of the hobby you're most interested in, it will get you the most uh, people to talk to. Yeah, I still need to. Um, uh, yeah, I need to get some sort of a license to operate, and it, it kind of makes sense to get the Dutch one because, hey, it's the Netherlands after all. Because if you get the full license in the UK or Ireland, you can transfer it within the. Uh, you can transfer your license over without having to do the exam. I should have actually explained that. And you may want to look into what call signs are available then, because if there's a call sign prefix you prefer from another country, that might uh, be the route to go. Yeah, but if you're living over here, then they would expect you to um, register here locally. So if you're a resident here. But I don't know. I'll see. I think, oh no, what's wrong now? That's a fair point. Yeah, uh, it seems logical to get it locally, but especially if you can transfer it. Um, I know some people, though, that just often fly to different countries uh, for the sole purpose of getting it licensed in that country. So they have another call. Oh, okay, yeah. So why not do all three? <laughs> nah. I find it hard enough to find the time to do one in the first place, so. Oh, yeah, I know the feelings. Right. I'm going to have to uh, edit the database directly. I'm not a happy person at the moment. Let me see. Episodes. Better not make you having trouble with the uploads? Well, um, hold on one second. Yeah, what happens is um, we post the show, and then we need to go back and add the duration to it. So the text-to-speech at the beginning has the right information. Are you doing the New Year's show? Uh, uploading that, or I don't remember. No, are there multiple the community New Year's shows from yesterday? So we recorded the one oh, yesterday, right, and that's going right. out on Monday, and then uh, presumably Hunky's doing the uh, posting the New Year's show. Because although I'm the only one, was, I was the only one with a recording from this morning. So I don't know. We'll see. Somebody will post it. Uh, I think I only made one of the community news shows this year, maybe two. I don't recall. You listened to them or attended it? Attended it. I I listen to just about every HPR episode. The the about the only times I don't listen is if the audio. I, I have really poor headphones for when I'm listening to podcasts, and if the audio is very tinny, I'll typically not listen to it unless the subject is just totally enthralling. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I should probably 
record a few episodes. It's been several months for me. So if like then and Dave said we weren't running thin, but it's good to have some in the backlog. So Absolutely. I'll see what I can get recorded. Makes, always makes me feel better when I look at um, three or four weeks out that there's at least a show or two in there. Um, you know, five six weeks out if there's at least one show in there that cheers me up knowing. Is it possible to record some and just not schedule them and set them aside for reserve, or is that a bad idea? Should they just yeah, be scheduled? Yeah, but I'd prefer if you didn't. We have enough for that, and uh, so just just go out, uh, put do what JWP does. He he schedules twelve show, shows a year and puts one in every month. So yeah, seems like a good idea. That's probably smart. I'll, I'll I don't know if I've got twelve topics, but I'll come up with something. Um, a few things I'm working on. I'm I'm overhauling my network. Uh, we're overhauling some of the Manor network, and then. One thing I thought about, I do uh, part of my work is uh, penetration testing, and I thought it would be fun to record an episode while I was in the middle of, uh, of course, not reveal any information, but record an episode while I was on site or something like that, sneaking around. Very, very. (laughs) That would definitely fulfill our hacker aspect of of our thing. But no, it's penetration testing. Certainly. I just uh, wonder how much uh, blathering into a headset would blow my cover. But, you know, I could easily make it part of the shtick, so we'll see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. It would also just an in- interesting to hear a show about how you got into that and what life is actually like, because I imagine people have very different views on uh, on penetration testing and how cool it is and stuff, you know, so... Yeah, I get I get asked a lot like, oh, that sounds so fun. Isn't it cool or whatever? And, you know, there's probably 10, 15 minutes out of a four week audit that's fun. The rest of it is, you know, because we do yeah, boring and or adrenaline. We do uh, physical auditing as well, like breaking and entering crap. And there's nothing fun about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, you have to be in shape and uh, it's terrifying sometimes uh, because I live in an area where people uh, carry firearms regularly. So you never know if you're going to get a gun pointed at you. You need to do shows about this. Seriously, absolutely need to do shows about this. Well, I only do about four audits a year these days because I'm getting too old to jump fences. But uh, the but yeah, I'll put something together. I could do like a little QA or you know how how to get into it, how to uh, or what it's like, and so on. That would be easily done. It also gives you a different perspective on things. Uh, it's kind of funny. I remember one instance in particular, uh, standing outside of a building waiting on someone to move so I could get access to a network port. Um, and I stood outside uh, waiting on that person for about an hour or two. And I had a clear view of them, but they couldn't see me. And uh, now in my living room with my giant windows, we call it the fishbowl, uh, at night sometimes I look outside and wonder... <laughs> Who's looking in at me? Yeah, yeah. Who's, uh, no, I've never uh, here in the Netherlands is a you know, the Calvinistic idea of everybody should be able to look into your windows and uh, nah, thank you very much. Blackout blinds for me. Yeah, I'm much the same. I, I prefer my privacy. <laughs> but you have nothing to hide. Yeah. Oh, I've got plenty to hide. Uh, plenty. Uh, mostly my uh, my cringeworthy moments of roaming around the house and singing to my cats and son and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that was a great episode. 
I uh, really enjoy that, the satellite hunting one. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, I've made a few contacts. I'm trying to get uh, one of the, I guess, achievement awards or whatever you want to call them. They call them awards. But uh, AMSAT provides little pieces of paper that confirms that you've made so many contacts. But my problem is uh, the satellites keep flying over in such a manner that they hit the same grid squares. So I can't get unique contacts. I've made enough to fulfill the award, but they're not in the right places. <laughs> but uh, perhaps we'll do another one of those satellite episodes that I may be able to actually get a contact on a recording that would be really cool uh, i think i can run my radio into uh my recorder but i don't know if i can get it to record my voice at the same time i'll have to experiment a bit i'm just looking at the uh control panel from mumble and i cannot see any reason why there would be a problem here with people connecting yeah hold on one second just confirm that we're at well my Problem is I didn't have my glasses on and I misread the uh, URL. I ended up typing chi instead of ch1 because okay. uh, I couldn't read it. So we got 250 slots and there's nothing strange. People should be going to the lounge. Now let me check on Mumble itself. Am I still normalizing the audio over there for the HPR show? Edit the channel. I get public radio groups groups all add i don't know what i just did but i just added it all to something so it can't be that yeah everything looks okay access control list all deny right access transverse enter all can enter all can speak all can transverse all can whisper and all can text and there's another all here Enter. Yep, don't get it. Okay. Has it uh, passed the new year over there in the Netherlands yet? It's a bit of a dumb question, but uh, I don't know my geography well. Nah, who can? I think some people can. Some people can. But for that very reason, we have a link on the website, which will point you to timeanddate.com, and there you can follow it down. Currently, the next people to go is much of Indonesia, Thailand, and seven more. 39 minutes to go there and you and we have the show notes page as well if you go to the main link you can uh, keep notes here button uh, yeah the uh so. the etherpad I, I should be on for uh, a good part of the day checking in and out here and there i do have a little bit of work to get done but otherwise it shouldn't be a problem um and I'll try to make it for midnight my time. Um, that'll depend on what state my wife and I are in. So <laughs> very good. I tend to, I'm going to uh, go spend some time with the family from around uh, now shortly now once I get the show posted. Fantastic. Okay, show's been converted. There's quite a lot of people on. Seems to be less now. We're going to deal with that one tomorrow. Do you know if anybody's done any shows on cryptocurrencies recently? Oh, way back in the day, I think, when Bitcoin started, yes. Yeah, I don't remember any in recent memory, but with the explosion over the last few months, I'm surprised nobody's flapped their gums about it. Yeah, I think everybody here is just waiting for the massive crash that is inevitably going to happen. Yeah, likewise. Um I, uh, I I am interested in Ethereum, uh, not as a currency, but as a platform. I like to try and tinker with Solidity and build things on their network, but 
I'm of the same mind that it's eventually going to collapse. I do see a future for it, like for um, digital, digital as a replacement for digital signatures and that sort of thing. So there is a as a community um, for verifying the you know maintaining honesty, integrity, and integrity within a community of I don't know um, people who exchange documents, whether it's uh, you know for your tax authorities that you have your auditor sign documents that you sent it at this date and then the tax authority will verify that you know that sort of thing that i i see a future yeah, most certainly i could see that as well i think that um people will figure things out to do with it along those lines and it'll settle down at some point yeah but you can you can see that there's going to be a pink now again then there's going to be a massive crash then there'll be about five to six years and then the the more mature bits of the technology will be used. A lot of people making a whole bunch of money on the way, though, that's for sure. I had a couple of friends retire on it. I was never smart enough to, well, brave enough to put in a bunch of money. Enough, yeah. So I just left it alone. <laughs> that would have been a great time to collapse. So looking at this, I think I can do about four shows here. Um, Ooh, I can cover... Don't tell you what, that I can do four shows? <laughs> now you owe me shows, if you say it. It's like Beetlejuice. Oh, no, no, no. I certainly plan to do these. I actually tossed them into my agenda here. Um, I could do one on the InfoSec stuff, the, the pen testing. Um, I could do another one on uh, low-power uh, radio stuff. Um, and then I could do one on the... Uh, the manner network updates, especially things like Pi-hole and uh, how we do our DNS, because I remembered you asked about a DNS primer, so maybe I could do a DNS primer as well. Oh yeah. And then, um, and then I could do one on some of the technology I take with me when I'm hiking, so that if I uh, end up uh, <laughs> injured, heaven forbid, or something like that, I can get myself out of the woods. Uh, so that's four or five. Um, I'll try and come up with a with a total of 12 of them, but I'm running thin on ideas. Can you tell, I got your, the employee voucher thing. I got one of these um, fire starter sticks. Have you ever seen them? There's like a piece of metal and then there's some other piece of metal like a can opener and you're supposed to be able to... Can I what now? You broke up on me. I don't know if that was my network connection or what. There's a, um, I got this fire starter stick thing. Did you ever see one of those? like a metal piece of metal and there's another piece of metal like a can opener you know thing with a little map um, measurement thing <laughs> sorry terrible terrible description but uh, i have no idea it came with no instructions and yeah i have no idea how to start a fire using this stick it's called a macgyver I've... fire stick um is it like um like one of those magnesium rods perhaps like a ferro rod rather yeah it could be it's black. Yeah, I think it's a ferro rod. It's not too difficult to start a fire with one of those. Um, but yeah, there's lots of fire starting techniques, and that's probably the most popular these days if you're not using a lighter. So what's it called? A ferro rod? Ferro rod. F-E-R-R-O-R-O-D. Honestly, the easiest way to do it is you scrape some of the magnesium off into a little tiny pile onto whatever you're going to start a fire on. Your, your little bit of a uh, kindling, usually something easy to catch fire. Like, I mean, you could use cotton balls as a good starter. Just scrape some on there, and then with whatever steel you're using, 
make sure it has a good edge on it and like don't don't like hit it to strike it but rather quickly scrape it along one side and it'll it'll spark and the little little pile there will catch too and cause a much larger spark and it'll cause whatever kindling you have it on to catch fire yeah i get that but when i hit this thing nothing happens yeah it is that's that's what it is yeah it's a furrow rod yeah well it's more of a scrape than it is a hit yeah even scraping hitting rubbing blang did nothing maybe i'm doing it wrong you've got to remove some of the material off of it first as well before it'll start going and you also have to make sure that the edge that you're scraping it with is a sharp edge and i don't mean the the sharp blade of your knife but um it needs to be like a a 90 degree angle it's got to have enough dig to it okay cool i know what to look for that's the main thing it's happy new year apparently bushcraft fire steel with handle yeah, this bushcraft title has gotten out of control, in my opinion. This is such a buzzword. However, perhaps like, uh, it's good to have a name to call things by. Yeah. Have you seen Primitive Technology at all, the YouTube channel? Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yes, I love oh, to watch him. Uh, it's great. I get the feeling like he's going, you know, every person with all their camping kit and stuff, if you just look at this guy, you go, okay. Well, oh. part of the problem is... Uh, he, we miss the part where it takes him hours to do all of that. Yeah, but he does show it. He does edit it beautifully where you're saying, oh, it's taken him five minutes to make that pot. And then he cuts to 15. And my mind just goes, oh, my God, has this guy no life? Hey, I mean, some people do weird stuff on the weekend. He's just added to it, I'm sure. I, I'm I'm relatively yeah, certain he's just says, a normal person with a normal job and so forth. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Says uh, says they who are on a 24-hour uh, 24-hour uh, podcast marathon. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I'm currently shirking work responsibilities to be here. <laughs> it's more fun to hang out on Mumble than it is to write code for contract. <laughs> Indeed it is. You're working today? Are you working today? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, toward the end of the year, so I, I have a full-time job. I work for Malwarebytes as a programmer, and I have a business on the side where I do programming, pen testing, and uh, network stuff. And um, I had a crazy rush for the end of the year for Malwarebytes, and I got most of that done. I'll finish it up on Tuesday. But um, I have Monday and Tuesday off from Malwarebytes, so I'm spending the weekend and those two days wrapping up some uh, client code and also some uh, lodge work. Uh, I've been elected secretary again, and I've been handed a mess. Uh, so, yeah, lots of work. Mm, good luck with that. Hey, thanks. Actually, the secretary stuff goes really easy because it's, it's a paper instead of digital, so I just uh, have to manage a whole bunch of piles of paper. So the shield's transcoded. I just need to talk to Dave now, and then I'm done. He will be happy. RWA, F minor, and then also here. Haha, and Kevin Wisher's problem is fixed. RWA back. Welcome back. Hi, welcome back. I had to get some sleep. What time's it there now? 11.32 Eastern Time. USA. Yeah, figured. Okay, I need to finish off some stuff and go do family stuff now shortly. 
I'll be hanging out I for a bit uh, before I take off for a while, and then I'll come back in after that. Okay, it's silence. I'll take out the rest. I just stopped and restarted the stream there, uh, recording on my side at 16.36 UTC. 16.36 UTC. Are you the only one recording right now? There are a few now, yes. And I'm also recording uh, the stream itself. So, Okay. But no harm to press that magic button. Right, I'm on my phone at the moment, but I could... Oh, uh, no, there's one, two, three, four, four different, five different recordings going, so we're okay. Okay, if you need another one, I'll hop on the computer instead of the phone and record. No, it's okay. Well, gentlemen, I, my back is telling me that I need to attend to it. So I hope to be back later. Talk to you later. Yep, and take care. Happy New Year, everyone, whenever it Hi. comes to you. And welcome back, Mr. Worley. Thank you. Scanning books is more boring than ironing. It's a fact. Did you say scanning books? Yep. You just I'm building scanning. a digital library or what? No, I did a show on this uh, about uh, scanning books for my son because uh, don't want him lugging in the stuff each and every day so he can leave his books in school and then you have the digital copy here to go through with him if he needs it. Oh, right. I recall that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, have done the workbook. I've done the actual study books and now I'm doing the workbooks. So, but it's boring. <laughs> this sounds very exciting indeed. The thing about it is it needs just enough attention that it's not, you can't do, it's not like ironing that you can just let one part of your brain do it. You need to actively be active enough and it's just not active enough that keeps you interested. How long per page does it typically take? It only takes a few seconds, but then you have to change it. So uh, in this case, I started at 1456 CET and I went straight through basically without stopping to 1644. So it took uh, 14, 15, so an hour, two hours to do a book without a break. Get one of those uh, scanners with a feed hopper and then shear the spine off of the book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> people wouldn't be too happy with that. The thought had crossed my mind indeed. Well, you're a good man doing that for him. I have to check each of them to make sure they're in order, and then I can do the rest. Page 41, 42, 43, 44. Oh, missed one. Yeah, 45, missed page 45. And it's amazing. It's an amazingly complex problem turning over pages. Um, there's a lot of tools that uh, uh, a lot of people have had projects trying to solve that problem. This seems simple on the surface, but I imagine it's a little unwieldy. Yeah, it's so much so that the archive.org have um, settled on like a V-shape, two Canon cameras pointing each direction on a V-shaped thing of glass. And they have you put the book in at 45 degrees and the glass uh, you pull down like, you know, one of those industrial dishwashers. Uh, the glass fits in, in between the two and then it takes two uh, Canon, two photos with two professional camel, Canon uh, SLR cameras. And uh, then somebody lifts it up and changes it. So they found they just they found it just easier to ask volunteers to help. 
Yeah, I think at this point it's probably a chiefly human task. And maybe that will answer our question from earlier. What will we do when all the the robot jobs have been automated? We'll be scanning we'll scan books. books. <laughs> Another one, 58, 59, 60, 61, 52. No, didn't. Cool, that one's done. Excellent. Oh, goodness, I'm dealing with the most frustrating API at the moment. Uh, this thing does not give out proper responses <laughs> at all. Uh, undocumented APIs are one of the exquisite pleasures of some of my work because I basically have to spelunk several endpoints uh, <laughs> to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah, and even those that are are not necessarily just because it's documented doesn't mean it's been implemented. Oh, that's absolutely true, which is why I typically try to make sure that I uh, keep my documentation up to date even though I hate the process. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm not going to process that now. I'm just going to leave it scanned and then I can process it at some other point. Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. I need to go do some stuff now. Take care, Ken. Good talking with you. Yeah, great talking to you. I need to get some sleep. I'll be back on later. Sleep well. Uh. Good to hear from you, Kenap. I'll be back and forth all day as well. What was that just now, the new to mumble thing? What was that? The, the text-to-speech bit? That's somebody in chat. Oh, was that somebody actually in the chat? Yeah, I, I believe by default uh, it will do text-to-speech on anybody chatting. Oh, okay. It was then I came back to my phone. Uh, it's from somebody on the chat. Okay. Hey, guys. Keenap here. Happy New Year. Not yet here, but yeah. No, not yet here either. It's like 11.51 a.m. where I am. Quebec. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, all right. 11.51 a.m. 11.51 a.m. Four fifty-one p.m. Okay, I would have been on this earlier actually, but I've had uh, <laughs> I had certain uh, setup problems with my uh, devices and stuff. Ugh. I've been uh, actually I've been in the world of Windows the last few days because I've had my laptop back recently, new motherboard in it, new hard disk. Uh, back to Windows eight point one, so I had to upgrade to ten, which was of course a hassle in itself. Uh, doing the updates. Uh, a Windows 10 that didn't load up for a bit properly, blue screen, you know, the blue screen even. Uh, and then I'm like, yay, I'm, I'm on the Linux stage, or so I thought last night. And then guess what happened? You weren't. What? what? <laughs> you, say, you say what? Yes, what? I basically got a... Um, I so downloaded for um, Bunty 16.04, because I'm going to put a few district stuff on there, but... um. Burnt onto USB stick with the uh, etcher seems to have worked, but then it's having problems loading up the USB stick. I get grab up and then it goes back screen. So I did it with unit boot button or whatever it's called as well, and with different USB stick today, and it's it's basically not loading up. I don't know why. After I when it should be loading up, it's getting I'm getting a black screen instead. And I get grub, but after that, okay. So I don't know if that's just. I used to have that on here. Well, I used to have an abundantly 16.04 on the laptop, so I don't know if it's... Maybe it's a problem with the ISO, who knows these days, especially when you hear the the, uh, <laughs> the news about um, 
17.10 and uh, Lenovo. I mean, that's on the Ubuntu website itself still when I last looked. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have a Lenovo P580 Linux Mint 17.21, highly customized. I've had it just the way I like it for the last three years, and I'm dreading the day I have to jump to another distro or go to the latest Linux Mint Mate, because I like the way I got it set up now. Yeah, but there was a bug in the... Uh... Linux 4.3 kernel that basically stops, that basically corrupts the BIOS on some of the laptops. Lenovo wants to see, to see, I think, as well. And what's well, still on the, so they made the uh, ISO not be downloadable on the Ubuntu website itself with the message. Obviously, you can download it elsewhere still, but <laughs> that's not very good, is it? No, uh, in fact, one of the hinges on my laptop is broken, and so it's permanently open. I'm using it as a regular desktop computer now, and I'm contemplating what computer am I going to get next to be my desktop computer. Right. Well, I, I mean, I got my lap. I got this HP laptop I've got specifically fixed again um, because it's got touchscreen. It used to work okay enough when it actually worked with um, Linux and so on as well. Although it did overheat from the beginning, that was really HP's fault, but it's, you know, it's had to pay to get that fixed annoyingly still. But, um, the, but, uh, but yeah, I got that laptop fixed. It works so nicely with the UFI, or it should do, but I've just said I've had a problem booting up Ubuntu properly from a USB. I don't know if that's related to anything, but, but anyway. Uh, I remember parents, when I put Linux Mint on this laptop, I just went into the BIOS, turned off UEFI. I didn't want to deal I'm with all that. Yeah, we got a TV on in the background or something. Yeah, I'm visiting my sister and she's watching so some movie on Amazon called Marjorie Prime. Sorry about that. Sorry. Okay, yeah, but okay, that's... Uh... Well, I don't know about your country, but in the UK, that could be 10 years under... I mean, you're not meant to record stuff off the TV, they say, in the cinema. So I'm from the... Oh, my joke didn't come out right. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I know. So, I have to go upstairs. <laughs> Is it only us That's now? why I've been uh, Is it only us now? Uh, people disappeared. No, I'm still here. No, I'm, I'm just busily coding away. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Trying to knock these features out before I have to have a deadline. Have a deadline. I've never used Plumble before. This is the first time I'm actually using Plumble, the uh, the app for Android, for for Mumble. It's quite nice. It's quite That's nice. what I'm using, what at, I'm the using at the moment. Well, I, I, I mean, I couldn't get into this channel. Ken put me in, but I I couldn't seem to drag myself in. So there was a, I don't know what what will cause that, but yeah. Oh, and Sven using <laughs> Windows for this, because I remember doing that in the past when I was setting up a laptop as well, because, I, because of whatever. You know, I've, I've had to not use Windows at all in that sense, but there you go. Although I did put uh, specifically what phone I, I'm using at the moment, because um, that's meant to be a good phone, a good Android phone as well, and I would say the Sony implementation of the uh, Xperia X is quite good. However, I have to actually, I bought it at full price, not on the contract, you know, and I bought to do a specific purpose with this phone, 
and I've got to go ahead with that really, otherwise I've just defeated the point of buying this phone. Uh, and any idea what my specific purpose is for this particular phone? Recording HPR episodes? <laughs> no, 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 seriously, I've got, I've got to um, reflash it, that's a hint. But what am I going to reflash it with is, is the question. That is a good question, I have no idea. What are you going to use? Have you got your from America, aren't you? So you may, I mean, it, you, I don't know if you've even heard of this one, actually. Obviously, Ubuntu Touch got a lot of, uh, you know, enough hype, but that's only under UB ports. It's not that. Uh, Firefox OS is obviously long gone now as well. Um, but there is one alternative Linux player left, really. I mean, mobile player. They nearly went bankrupt as a com company because of an investor problem, but they are still around doing the software and getting hardware deals elsewhere now or sort of thing. But do you know what I'm talking about? It's not Symbian, is it? No, but <laughs> no, that's gone as well. Um, but you would be, well, you'll get, you're, you're kind of close. So I'd say Nokia is a sort of hint as well, but not really. Well, it kind of is. I'll say Nokia is a sort of hint, but. Uh... Well, it's not Osmocom because that's not Linux. Um, I'm not sure. No, you're from America, aren't you? So that could be why. Yep, I certainly am. Have you heard of, um, see if I can <laughs> say these things right. I might say this is a bit wrong, but we'll see. YOLO or YOLA and uh, Sailfish or Sailfish? Yeah, um, Sailfish was my next guess. Um, I should have I should have jumped on that one first when you uh, kept saying I was American. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least at places like Fosdem, it's no, it seems to be not that big a deal if you've got a Yola phone these days in Brussels, but, you know, that's there. But it's, I think it's more popular on the mainland, so not here in the UK. But I did have a Yola phone, so which was all right. Well, a bit, hardware's a bit, but it's, it's okay. But um, the operating system can probably do more than Android, to be fair. Um, because it can also run most Android apps. When I last tried on the Yola phone, it ran pretty much every Android app that I I get I sent put on it okay enough. Um, when I put its own native app on though, I got into a problem, but that's because I haven't upgraded to the latest version of the operating system. But but yeah, yeah, I, I had great interest in that, but um, never could find a, a phone that would do it. And I, I was also afraid that the project had kind of died. I know they had had some um. Uh, disagreements, but um, it's good to know that it's still available. Oh, oh yeah, you can put, well, yeah, the, the tablet, they, a few people got it, I got half refund, as is most people, my second part, see what I do, uh, I get some refund, or, well, actually, they're trying to sell me the Sony Xperia, sorry, the uh, Sailfish OS for Sony Xperia, X is one of the options, this is how you can spend part of your refund if you want, so I need to get that, um, paid for really on under something i think i might just miss that one on a discount for that actually slightly but never mind um because they're still selling it as an operating system which makes sense because they're not they're not doing hardware anymore so they still have to their company have to make some money don't they so that's i think that's fine and also actually it's not completely open source but because the interface isn't apparently but i don't think that matters that much because it's mostly open source otherwise and it's actually quite good. It can run Android apps. It can run some of their own native apps. And the operating system itself is quite um, is quite nice, actually. 
I uh, I typically run only free software where I can, but I don't believe that phones are a place where you can do that. Um, I'm using um, was using Replicant for a while. Uh, now I'm using Lineage simply because the phone I had running Replicant uh, took a swim, and I couldn't find another one. So the phone that I had uh, given to me after that, I try not to buy these things on contract if I can avoid it, but it would not run Replicant, so I'm running Lineage. However, um, I can imagine going into a contract for something like uh, Sailfish would be a good plan. It seems like a solid operating system. Oh, well, that won't go on the contract, I don't think, because, or not anytime soon, because of how the, the market generally is like. However, um, we're talking about sort of open source, well, you just mentioned the open source phones, you probably mean privacy, more privacy respecting ideally as well. Did you hear of the um, Librem that they were crowdfunding in the last sort of three months or so? Uh, they got like two $2 million something, so it got in the end, so it's got a lot of money. Quite an expensive phone, but I still want one of those as well, but no one's going to get until 2019 anyway by the earliest, so... Yeah, I'm glad that there's, uh, pardon the noise, I'm starting some tea here, but uh, I'm glad that there's a community around, um, or several communities around, building a more privacy-enabled phone, but I think the biggest issue is the baseband. Um, of course, it all comes back to your threat model, right? I'm not too worried about state actors because I feel like I'm already screwed there anyway, but um, the the baseband having um, uh, being totally opaque is a problem because... If there are any backdoors there, once one of those backdoors becomes semi-public knowledge and is out of state control, uh, then everybody's phones are compromised, and it's just a bad situation. But um, that's why I'm glad that those communities are there. And yes, the phones are awfully expensive uh, and will take a long time to build, but hopefully it'll be the foundation for um, some new options. Uh, I don't know how likely it is in the age of rampant capitalism that those options will come to light, but uh, the markets will tell us if that's what people want or not. And in the meantime, I will save my pennies and um, <laughs> buy one when I can. I think, um, well, actually, I really like the uh, UB Ports message. It's a little map, the uh, Ubuntu Touch community fork because obviously Conical dropped that, but the community carry on. But they have a nice little app that basically talks about what a UB ports is, and it's like, and it's also on the website somewhere, the same text really, but it's like, okay, we, we can't really compete against Android and iPhone because the market is how it is, but it doesn't really matter now because we are a community um, operating system. We are a community who are carrying on with something, or something like that. And I think that's basically it. Um, and uh they that they have the but yeah there's a community that can carry on um apparently mark wanted to carry it on actually in conical but the ball didn't but I, i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna say apparently to that so um but it doesn't really matter so much but it's a shame that that one f uh f failed in that sense it didn't really take off a bit more but one debate was that it wouldn't run android apps anyway and it had to do that and I know obviously Stamson has Tizen as well, they can do that, but I'm not going to just release all the device with Tizen. Um, and, and, but, but yeah, these maybe are, maybe these are niche OSs, but like maybe that's just how it is when you think about it, because 
I've been thinking about recently, and actually, there's a lot of people with with iPhones, for example. They're not particularly technical people, but they they'll they're all over the place. These people, and they re- they really like the iPhones, and they probably like the iPhone because or, or an iPad, possibly if they got that, because you know it works quite well, really. And compared to say Windows, you know it works better, doesn't it? So, and they probably know that deep down, a lot of these people that Windows is not that good, and that's probably also why Windows Phone sort of fails now. Microsoft has given up on it. We will not have, you know, they're not going to do Windows Phones anymore. They're, gonna, they're only going to provide apps for Android and I think iOS. I think maybe deep down, a lot of people who aren't technical also know that Windows is not very good. It crashes. It reboots. It. It's not particularly stable, it's not that reliable, and that's maybe why iPhone's more popular than Android, and even Chromebooks, I suppose, to some extent, because that's in the shop. But it has to be companies selling this stuff, otherwise they're not going to just get it either. That's the difference between them and us. We know about things, we'll pull it on, we will buy the device specifically, the public will not. Yeah, I agree with you for the most part. And even though those people, uh, not those people, those discussions like at Ubuntu uh, were shot down, the ideas were shot down, at least the discussions were had. And I think those discussions can be uh, remembered in future projects and they can also influence uh, future decisions. So it's a good thing that they were had. Um, on that note, I'm going to have to step away for probably about 10 minutes or so to make some food. Um, I'll be back shortly. Thanks for the conversation. Yeah, thanks for the conversation. Yeah. Uh, is anybody else here actually or not? Right. I guess not then because I was thinking of going out for a little bit and then coming back anyways and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm talking to myself. Am I? Black and well, there's a couple yourself. of people here. <laughs> One person's left, other person, or is that it? I'm still around, but I'll be back and forth all day, so if you got to go out, cheers, man, I'll see you later. No, yeah, no, I'm going to, yeah, I'll be back in a bit myself. Yeah, this is Mongo, I've just been sitting here listening. Unless we get into a really good chat, and then we'll go out a little bit later, it's only very near. Actually, at 10 o'clock until for where I want to go, it's sad. And that's a little shop before it closes, close a new year. Another five hours, in other words, or just about. Am I really echoey now or not, by the way? Or back loop, or whatever it is. Okay, yeah, back in about 20 minutes then, if anybody's actually listening to me. Half, half an hour ago. Of course, I just missed Cla- uh, Claudio Am. Hey guys, anybody talking out there? Or am I just not hearing you? We're here. Some just go and come, like I do. Not much to say this year. Yeah, it's quite the moment, but I'll be back in about half an hour, and then uh, let's. I'll get through a chat, proper chat, if somebody's here. Oh, okay, yeah, I was just curious because I, I just grabbed my laptop and I'm mobile with it, as opposed to being plugged into the microphone. Didn't know if it was configured right. Yeah, it doesn't really help when it's quite a room. But anyway, yeah, give me about half an hour so and I'll be back. So yeah. Has anybody heard from Clatu in a while? Because yeah, uh he signed off about an hour ago or so. Oh, okay, because he's in Australia, right? New Zealand, I think. Hey, but to us in you know North America here it's the same thing, right? 
to you it is. You tell them that, they'll go crazy. But that's my job. I know, Rich. <laughs> I don't know if you're crazy or you just like to mess, make people <laughs> make trouble. Well, you know, if if I was really industrious, I would go through all of the Tilts episodes of 2017 and, and put cut together all the times I made Joel curse or scream or something. No, we don't want to hear that again. <laughs> About a month ago is when you really went off. I think you made Dan mad. It, you know what? Here, here's the thing. My my goal is never to make anybody angry. Uh, that's I, and that I I did that on Facebook. Some guy just lost. It. I and and I think the other thing is um, it's very funny. Somebody many years ago gave me a mug that said I refused to have battle wit of wits with an unarmed opponent. And, you know, Dan, I, I of course consider a well-armed opponent, uh, but some random person on Facebook just lost their, their mind. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't go at it with somebody I don't know. Yeah. You don't know how they are, but Dan was well-equipped that night though. He knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Well, I, I I don't want to stir that whole topic up again, but I I still, uh, it, hmm, yeah. In fact, if I was not going to stir that whole topic up again, I wouldn't make any further comment. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing about season discourse. I think that's the trouble with America today. People don't want to talk, even if it makes you mad. At least talk and get your feelings out there. But people don't want to do that anymore. All right, wait, RWA, you're Russ, right? Well, Reg. Oh, okay. Um, it, I don't know if you watch Ladder with Crowder, but he, he has uh, paid content and YouTube content. And on YouTube, he's doing, like, he goes to a college campus, sets up a table. You know, he has microphones and, you know, GoPros and stuff like that. And he says, hey, here's the topic. Change my mind. You know, whether it's Second Amendment, uh, you know, abortion or whatever. Or, you know, there's only two genders. Change my mind. And the idea is to have a reasoned discussion with people. And I don't, I mean, I think it's polite, but I don't know if it gets, I don't know if it achieves anything. Maybe, maybe a third party watching it going on will, will come to a conclusion based on it. But I don't know if the people that are, he's engaging actually have a change of heart or anything. I haven't seen any of those, but I've heard people talking about it. Um, you know, if as long as you can talk about anything, as long as you're talking, that's half the battle right there. But but here in the U.S., we don't want to even talk. You know, if you don't like my opinion, they just cut you off. And I, when I went to college back in the late seventies, you know, college was the open ground. You could talk about anything. Now you can't do that at college anymore. They shut you down. So. And it doesn't matter if you're a liberal or conservative or whatever. They don't want to hear. And so there's no discussion, no opinions. Everybody supposedly has one opinion, but that's not how life is. Everybody has an opinion about something. And when everybody's talking about the same thing with the same opinions, nothing can get done. Well, and and that's the thing. Um, Like we we could talk about... There, there's simple topics, and then there's more complex topics. And, uh, and well, actually, I don't know how many are too simple. But I, I was going to say something like net neutrality that went through. There, there's things I liked and things I disliked, but there was more I disliked in the government net neutrality. 
but one of the things that I would like is, um, I, I think I explained this on tilts, uh, is I think of the internet as the gas in my car and the gas shouldn't be telling me where I can go or what I can do. Likewise, uh, with Comcast, they shouldn't be throttling my Netflix unless Netflix pays more. That's bullcrap. Yep, I agree with you. I'm on Comcast now, but I went through that with uh, Cox Cable. last this Early this year, I became a cord cutter because this time last year, I had to, I'd say, I think about leaving Cox and uh, can you re-up me? for the next year without an increase. And every time I tried last year, this time, they kept saying, no, we can't re up to, you're gonna have to pay $150 and blah, blah, blah. And so just, I just went crazy and just canceled my Cox and just went with the internet. And in my town at that time, you either had Cox or you didn't have nobody to get on the internet. So I was stuck and it seemed like you know, every time they could stick it to me, they stuck it to me. So now I'm with Comcast in Atlanta, Georgia, and they're better than Cox to me right now. Yeah, I, I see that's a problem is uh, I, I don't know if they put me on some sort of intro service or whatever. I got to have a double play because otherwise if I get Internet only, it costs more than if I get a double play or triple play. And, you know, the, the other part of that is... You know, a layer of abstraction. I have Vonage, and the Vonage works on any, you know, uh, internet provider. So if, if I had Comcast for my home phone, which nobody uses, uh, then I, if I go somewhere else, then it's a big hassle changing the number. But realistically, with Vonage, I just plug it in somewhere else. Yep. I know what you mean. Um, last year, this time, I had the Cox Cable bundle that I had for, about 10 years, you pay $100 a month for phone, internet, and television. Never used the telephone, ended up unplugging the telephone. But I used the internet and I watched my, and I watched TV via the cable. I didn't have the big cable package with 200 channels. I just had the regular cable, you know, you watch USA and AMC and all that. But when I went to re-up, they sure did not want me to keep paying what I was paying. They wanted $150 a month and I wasn't willing to do that. And they didn't want to talk about it. So I don't know what was, what was their problem that week, but I ended up going straight cordless. I mean, you know, without the TV, I kept the internet and it's been, it was an experience. I even did a podcast about my troubles with Cox Cable, but it was, it was a nice experience, and I'm glad I did cut cable. But then I moved a month ago to Atlanta, Georgia, and I got Comcast. They gave me one of them deals again, so it's, it's, it was cheaper to go with the all-in bundle than just without the Internet. So that's where I'm at now. We'll see next year when they want me to re-up. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if i, I got to put the cable in my daughter's name so I can get some sort of discount next time. Like, we just keep changing names on the cable account. Oh, yeah, get the, the little education plan going. <laughs> yeah, something. I, uh, it, serious, I, I just want... Oh, and uh, Comcast, They, I think they have the... You throttled... I'm sorry. After a terabyte a month, they start charging you. So I, I guess we watched a lot of video this month. 
Yeah, that's how Cox was. Um, they converted everybody last year, October this time, and gave everybody a terabyte. I came close a few times with the terabyte, but the, they said the first two months, if you went over terabyte limit, they it was they would not charge you. And then after that, it right. was um, $10 every every 100 gigabytes or something. I don't know, but... Uh, I think Comcast has the same thing, but yep. yeah. this, this month, month I think I came up to about eight eighty in the gigabytes. So you know, yeah, we got an email. But I, I stream all day, all night. I'm retired. I do what I need to do, and if I need to, if I go over one month, then I'll go over. But I'm thinking that with all this net neutrality and everything, somebody needs to have an unlimited plan where. You can play, pay a decent amount of money and get what you want with no throttling and no extra charges or anything. I'd be up for that. But so, and again, here's my opinion on this: is uh, I don't buy, I don't pay Comcast because I like Comcast. I pay Comcast for internet service because I want YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Video, whatever else I may be doing, you know, or to remotely control my home or, or VPN into my home, those kinds of things. I'm not paying them for them. I'm paying them for these other things. And if they, you know, foobar these other things, then I don't need them. Then I'm mad at them. And I think that's where Netflix went wrong. When Comcast put the gun in their chest, they should have said, hey, you know what? Throttle us and, and see what kind of complaints you get. Yeah, but Netflix didn't do that. They just said, we'll pay you. And that's what they did. I started having trouble with Netflix on my cost cable. It, I'd start a video and about two minutes in, just past the credits, the video would stop and I would have to reboot my Roku to watch um, Netflix. And I ended up starting watching more Amazon and Hulu than I did Netflix. I kept Netflix, but it, for a while there, I had all kinds of trouble with Netflix. I don't know if Cox was throttling them or not, but but now, since I'm on Comcast, I don't have any problem with anybody. I don't know what the deal is. Okay, because I was going to ask you, was it... Was it the Roku? Was it the this firmware? Was there a firmware update? Like you said, and when you start messing with that, then you got a problem. So in town here, um, there's uh, there's uh, a place called Harborside. They're doing a New Year's thing, and I think it's free. And they're going to show the ball drop. And my daughter just chimed in; it's free. But there were some hotels in that uh, small. Uh, there's you know, there's shops and stuff like that. So there's a party at the hotel also, but they have an amphitheater there uh, on the intercoastal and they're going to show a big screen with the ball drop. So we're going to go to that tonight. And last week we've had days into the eighties and uh, today it's like 66 degrees right now. I'd love to have some 66. It's in low thirties and upper twenties this whole week. Uh, I'm in Atlanta, so you know we had the snow the other week. They were talking about it this week, but it didn't come through. It just ended up being very, very cold. And so that's what we're dealing with. We have a peach drop in underground Atlanta. I don't plan on going to that because it's going to be cold as Dickens. Hold on, my daughter's talking to me. Okay. 
So the, the place we want to go to, they, they say, you know, the activities start at 9 p.m. They're going to have a band and whatever. And I'm like, heck, I don't want to stand around for three hours. In fact, I'd rather get there at 11 o'clock, you know, like, you know, maybe 1030 or so. So I don't have to stand around. And my daughter's like, we ought to get there early because there may be issues parking. But they got a couple of parking garages there and stuff. So I, I don't know. Well, you get there early, you will stand around. You get there late, you might not be near the ball drop. That's the problem. I just plan on staying home. I'll drink me some Jack Daniels or some kind of scotch tonight and ring in the Happy New Year. Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm usually all in for that. I don't like traveling on uh, New Year's Eve. That's not my forte. Yep. And especially around here, all the Georgia State Patrol and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation will be out with their DUI checkpoint. So stay home. I could ride the subway if I wanted to, but... I didn't know there was a subway in Atlanta. What? What about Atlanta? I, I didn't know there was a subway in Atlanta. Yep. It's called MARTA. It's the Metropolitan Atlanta Rapid Transit System. They have combination subway and bus system. You might end up coming off the subway and catching a bus, or you might catch a bus and end up getting on the subway. Depends on where you're going. So there's fireworks. Uh, my daughter said there was 8,000 people at this uh, event last year. So I don't know. I, uh, well, my, my wife, uh, I guess she's she's been sick for about a week. So uh, I think she just wants to get out. So she's like, yeah, let's go to this thing. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I'm I'm looking outside. It's pretty out, but it's you know 66 degrees. Like you said, uh, you'd you'd kill for 60 degrees. Yep, it's 34 degrees here in Dunwoody, Georgia, suburb of Atlanta. Wondering if the pool water is warmer than the outside. Oh, be quiet, quiet. I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, I'm in and out too. I'm going silent for a while. Are you here, Mr. Jackson? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, um, cabin fever's in two weeks. That seems a lot sooner than normal. Probably not. It's the 12th and 13th that weekend. I'll have to let you know. Just put it out there, man. Yeah, I keep forgetting to even check for it, so... I figured. Hello? Is there anybody up there? Trying to give some more 
That's uh, I just came back for a bit, and what do I hear? I get to hear that. So I'm re- that's what we need more music on the uh, podcast. You might not be Johnny Bacon or something like that, but it doesn't matter. More guitar, it is, it should be Casper. Yes, yes, I was just transmitting some frequencies to everybody. We are now, we're now, let's do math. Oh, geez. One we're now, plus one. We're now, we are now eight hours into the Hacker Public Radio live stream. Live stream. Live. Oh. One plus one. Equals three. Uh, three plus two. Seven. You win the award at maths. Congratulations. What do I win? You get to, you get to teach five-year-old maths for a week. That's your award. No, we like to yes. we like prey on greys. But thank you for letting me know that everything's working. Yes. All right. I'm glad that, that oh, we've got Gordon. We've got Nefford. If you're just 
tuning in. This is Hacker Public Radio at 8 hours and 18 minutes live. Live. Come on, somebody help me out. Let me let me know we're still going. Let me know this is still happening. Anyone? Anyone? Come on. Come on. Can you hear the machine? Yes. Yes. And we will rage against it. <laughs> I was just enjoying it so much. I, I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, no, I, I was hoping I, I, I was, somebody somebody would stop me. Please, <laughs> we're having we're having some good conversations earlier. Having some checks, cross checks. Ken uh, Ken was was with us uh, some time ago, and uh, I I did I had to check out. Um, for anyone just joining us, this is Hacker Public Radio. I'm going to put a link to the Etherpad. Uh, everybody, if you could take notes as you go on, that'd be greatly appreciated. It's so colorful. Turn that off. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, N-E-4, how do you, how do you pronounce <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm set up for my ham radio stuff, so that's actually my call sign. Uh, name here's Bill. <laughs> oh, so so you you are also a ham? Yes, yes. Okay, good, good. That's that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, I do the uh, Linux and the Ham Shack podcast with uh, Russ. Oh, great, great. That was uh, one of the transmissions we picked up uh, from above the Van Allen belt, and we enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. yeah, I actually I sent away for one of those uh, starter kits uh, or something to get my noob license. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. But I, I, 
I either didn't get it or it became a part of the mountain of mail. <laughs> and and then you know maybe it i mean i i don't even know what it I'm must expecting. have been a while ago because i don't remember doing starter kits but oh. i've only been with the show for about a uh, about a year and a half now oh okay 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 well that's that's well longer than aliens have, have been with the, the podcast <laughs> but, yeah uh, yeah just listening in here i was doing some work and uh Caught the stream and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if I have it set up to even connect here in the in the office." And of course, I do. It's too cold in the garage right now for me to go out there where I actually do most of my recording. Uh, it's like negative ten outside or something stupid. Something stupid. <laughs> where are you? That's negative ten. Uh, Billings, Montana. That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it might be warmer now. Let's see. Oh no, minus ten still. There you go. Yeah. So, do you are you up to the level of uh, ham hammedness where you can transmit uh, gifs, et cetera? <laughs> Anybody can do that. What are you talking about? Uh, slow scan TV. Yeah, yeah. I've been a ham for twenty some odd years, and I have I, my I, extra license. Extra license. Ooh. Yeah. That's exciting. So, t- tell us, uh, give us a little rundown, a little, a little uh, disorientation as to how you go about getting a license, how, how that goes. I, I know there, there's a website you go to. Um, if you put that in the notes, that'd be great. Uh, sure. Yeah. So basically, I mean, in order to get started, uh, there's uh, three license types uh, or three license classes that you can get. And uh, the first one is a technician license, and uh, you can get study guides. Uh, you can get them for free online. Uh, it's basically a question pool. Uh, memorize the question and the answer, and you can go take the, uh, take the. I think it's like a 35-question test or something close to that, 35 or 50 questions. I haven't taken a test for like that in a while. <laughs> but uh, there's tons of guides online. I think uh, KB6NU has some uh, you know, easy ham study guides. Um, that are really helpful for some hams, and there's also uh, um, there's the WB uh, WB6NOA Gordon West. Uh, he has his study guides and stuff like that. If you want to buy a printed guide, um, those would probably be the best options. Um, or uh, you know, look up uh, for a local club uh, in your in your town. Most clubs, uh, most towns have uh, small groups of clubs that run like either repeaters or you know classes or testing sessions. And uh, they can definitely get anyone interested in uh, in ham radio uh, set up to get a test uh, and uh, you know get on the air for the first time and kind of get them on their way to doing whatever they w- would like to do in the ham radio hobby, whether that be emergency services or you know just you know sending gifs, <laughs> whatever you want uh, uh, on the radio, and uh, you know definitely point you to the right class of license that you need in order to accomplish what you want to do with it. Thank you. So this, Thank is you. Probably, so this is probably going to come off as a stupid question, but what, as a ham, what do you do? Well, it, it's a hobby. So what do I do? I, I, I just screw around on the radio. That's basically all I do. <laughs> um, uh, you could do whatever you want to do. It's, it's, it's just an interesting hobby. A lot of people, uh, you know, in the early days, used to get into it just for experimenting. And, uh, you know, it was a progression from uh, CB. And, uh, you know, it's kind of evolved over the years 
where a lot of your entry level hams these days are more interested in, you know, doing some, you know, emergency communications, whether that be, you know, running radios at a walkathon or, you know, helping with, um, you know, a natural disaster like fires and hurricanes and, and what have you. And then other one, other ones just, you know, kind of mess around with the uh, various new technologies like digital modes. Uh, they have a bunch of new, uh, uh, well, they're always coming out with new digital modes, digital voice, digital, um, you know, a text, uh, digital texting across the airwaves and, and then experimenting with low power, homemade antennas. Um, a lot of people are hams and in, in this, in the cities and, you know, you can't put up monster towers and beams and, you know, big wire antennas. So, you know, we have a lot of people that experiment with uh, low power, small antenna design. So you can have like a uh, stealth setup and, and still be able to operate around the world. And, um, yeah, there's just so many aspects of the hobby. I mean, everybody always wonders is like, uh, you know, what do you do it for? Well, everybody does it for something different. That's, that's the kind of cool part about the hobby. There's so many vast, uh, or so many different aspects of the hobby that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really, uh, doesn't really have a single purpose or direction, which is which is interesting. See, it always seemed very fascinating to me, and all the technology around it seems really, really cool. I just, I can never, and, and this is this is definitely a me thing. I would definitely don't want to put down the hobby in any any way, shape, or form. I I could never come up with any sort of thing to do with it. I mean, I can. You know, go out, buy uh, uh, all the equipment, get myself certified, and then um, after that, I'm not sure what I would do, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's common, too. I mean, some people get into it not really knowing what they what they want. I mean, what really drew me into the hobby, you know, 20 years ago was sort of uh, contesting. I kind of saw this aspect of the radio where it was more of a sport and uh, kind of high-paced, uh, fast-paced, uh, you know, setting up a, a, a station out in the middle of nowhere, camping, which is something I enjoy doing, and then, you know, basically trying to get as many contacts as possible within a certain amount of time and capture all the information, you know, the, into your log properly, like logging their correct call signs and stuff like that. And uh, that's really what drew, drew me to the hobby, and I still kind of tinker around with that today. Um, I don't really have as much time as I used to have <laughs> to do that stuff, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what hooked me and I, I, I kind of gear my entire station and everything else for that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't see anything of value in the hobby that you could, you know, enjoy yourself then yeah, it's definitely not for you. Don't, don't do it just because somebody else is doing it. <laughs> Well, I, I only say that because all the technology around um, the, uh, the the ham radio stuff seems really cool and it seems really interesting. But I, like I said, I, I just I, I can't I can't get myself to that next step of of I have all of it. I can get all this stuff to work, and then what? But I, I definitely, like I said, I don't I don't ever want to put the, it down because it's it definitely seems like a really really cool hobby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it falls into the you know. I guess the you see more of the makers and stuff like that getting involved in it nowadays with uh, you know integrating Raspberry Pi with telemetry units, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I I want something that transmits further than the ISM band, uh, little you know nine hundred megahertz and and stuff devices that use for medical, and you know so that that can that can tick those people into getting uh, you know the entry level license, which allows them all those VHF and high frequency. 
um, or the VHF and, and UHF frequencies that they can put a little bit higher power, you know, telemetry beacons and, and, and stuff like that on their, their little, uh, their projects, their IOT devices that are maybe not necessarily connected to the internet. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a transitional thing. It's a, you know, the hobby's more of kind of, it, it, it comes on the edges of other hobbies. Uh, I think for the most part, um, the older, the older guys <laughs> that got into the hobby for contesting or, you know, tube rigs or, or something like that, the, you know, they're, they're probably involved in other aspects of the hobby and not necessarily experimenting. Uh, although I know tons and tons of guys that have been in the hobby for, for a long time that are, you know, experimenting with, you know, various Raspberry Pi devices, trying to build a better, smaller, you know, little Linux box that can do all their little communications and run their FT8 and, and all these digital modes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, yeah, it, it fits weirdly in society today for sure. It's, it's definitely, uh, has, has multiple entry points and multiple uses, but you really got to, got to want one of these, you know, extra, extra ticks, you know, in order to uh, get involved in the hobby today, you know, like the RC guys used to get into it for like high powered RC remotes. And I knew several people up here in Billings that, that basically that's all they got their license for was so they could have a high powered RC remote. They could care less about the whole talking and learning everything else. And you only needed an entry level license for that. Yeah. I haven't talked to anybody in years. Yeah. That, that needs to change. We need to get the broadcast out. We need to get John well, KT 4KB out there, out on the street with the hams. <laughs> I've contacted in the last, let's say the last year, um, probably 3,000 people, but not with my voice. I get tongue-tied, so um, <laughs> I've talked to, you know, communicated with so many people Uh I do the weird stuff. I bounce signals off of meteorites and a couple other weird things like that. Have you detected our transmissions from above the Van Allen belt? Well, I'll put it to this way. I have proved um, to myself with my own equipment the Flat Earth Society is incorrect. 10-4. We, we aliens can see the blue marble fall from above and we we see that there's no no truth to the shilling conspiracy it's just another just another uh attempt to discredit the real news well, which there, there's two <laughs> things that go into this and you know one is if the earth was flat by now cats would have knocked everything off of it so i think that's proof enough yeah <laughs> and then that one guy with the rocket launcher RV motorhome conversion, and that was going to fly a rocket manned by himself to 1,800 feet, not 1.8 miles, but 1,800 feet, uh, was going to prove whether the Earth was round or not. I mean, you get a tall ladder, you can go up 1,800 feet. <laughs> you don't need to get yourself on top of explosives to do that. No. And Hacker Public Radio, I, I don't believe, would condone the use of explosives upon yourself to get you to great heights. That's that's not necessary. <laughs> we, we we don't need any real live rocket jumping. Well, I I think Wiley Coyote figured that out, right? We we would hope so. We we would hope people would would uh, learn that lesson from a young age. I don't think Wiley Coyote ever learned that lesson. Oh. 
see that that's the kind of stuff you, you need to you need to transmit you need to get it out there so where's fitty one fitty in the nitty gritty down by the city such pity come on it's got to be noon by him he's got to be up by now one would hope but we're not we're not here we're not there we're everywhere I don't know, last couple of years he came on early on in the morning and, and then left for a while errands and then came back on later at night, but I haven't heard from him at all. So does anybody have plans for tonight? You're going out, doing something, staying in? Had a great New Year's Eve so far with everybody on the Hacker Public Radio channel. I'll tell you that much. Why do you have, why do you have any wild crazy plans? Uh no, we're there's a um shopping center called Harborside in Palm Beach here, so they're gonna have uh they have an amphitheater and they're gonna have uh a big screen TV, show the ball drop and fireworks. And it and it fits my budget, it's free. That sounds nice. Sounds lovely. Yeah, unfortunately for us Floridians, uh, right now, I, I don't know, it's going to be in the 60s when that happens. So we're all, you know, going to put on our Arctic gear, you know, like ski boots, survival suits, those kinds of things. Cool. It, it's so funny. I'm, what was I wearing yesterday? Um, I, I think I, yeah, I probably just walked around flip flops, long pants, and a t shirt. And there, there are people with like ski jackets on. Must be in South Florida. Must be in- <laughs> you guys, man. Yeah, you know, the, the second it gets below seventy here, people they got scarves and mittens, and I'm like, really? Well, you know, it's it, it's the humidity. It makes it a very cold, wet uh, coldness. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> and I lived in Florida for like thirty years. <laughs> I'm used to those people. Ouch. Digging on Florida. Yeah, my parents still live there and yeah, they 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 would never come up here. It's it's so so darn cold. <laughs> They're like, "Uh, no. Uh, when it gets 40 in Florida, they freak out." Yeah, I'm ready to leave the heat of South Carolina, but the job won't let me. <laughs> well, you got you got to tell the job that that they need to uh Give John some more flexibility so he can spread his wings and fly. Well, I believe they want to get rid of us, so... Oh, well. They do want to get rid of us, but that's why we're here on Hacker Public Radio, to discuss communications, ways of, of, of flexing, ways of adapting to the the robots taking... How are we going to adapt and change? How are we going to going to going to adapt so that robots don't take all of our jobs once we've done all this fine programming and programmed all these robots to do every conceivable thing we can think of if they don't enslave us? How do we continue on? You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. 
If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.